Hi, I'm Nate Flax. I'm Noah Longworth-McGuire. And, and this, this is, is Talking, Talking Lion. Lion. Talking Lion is a podcast focused on artist-to-artist conversations. We're primarily artists, a duo called Sleeping Lion. And throughout our career as songwriters and producers, we've had the opportunity to work with so many incredible rising artists. Talking Lion is about hitting record on the conversations we've had with our musical friends and collaborators to get a glimpse into what their life's been like and where it's going. A few reminders before we start. Firstly, we now have a Patreon for fans of the show to show their support and help keep the show going. As a Patreon subscriber, not only will you earn rewards, but you'll also gain exclusive access to a chat room in our Discord server. Here you can talk with us and even suggest questions for our guests. Go to patreon.com slash talkinglion to subscribe. We appreciate your support. As we mentioned, we also have a Discord server that's become a sort of community hub for Sleeping Lion and Talking Lion. We're very active on there and very eager to talk to you about who you are on the show and how you feel about the new episodes, as well as just talking about life. So yeah, come through and you can talk with us. You can make some new friends, share your art, and share your memes. Go to sleepinglionmusic.com slash discord to join our server. We hope to see you there. Quick announcement. You can now vote for Talking Lion for the 16th annual People's Choice Podcast Awards. Your vote could get us nominated and we can even win an award for this show. Your support and that recognition would mean the world to us. So please go to podcastawards.com to vote for Talking Lion in the music category. Lastly, our face is on a shirt. We have shirts now for Talking Lion with our faces on them. If you want to wear us on your shirt, buy a shirt. It helps support the show and it shows your friends that you like Sleeping Lion and Talking Lion. You can find these shirts on our website, sleepinglionmusic.com slash store. Pro tip, Patreon supporters of the honorary lion tier or higher will get a free shirt. Now back to the show. We recorded this episode with our new friend, Flat Sound. We first found Flat Sound through our mutual friend, Meg Meyer. She was a fan of his podcast, All the Space in Between, which he co-hosts with his partner, Billy Blossom. We recorded this earlier this year, following the release of his ambient album, Somewhere in the Distance, Somewhere Towards the Mountains. Since then, he has recently released a single called Fairy Tales Tell Tales. Flat Sound has been making unique and authentic music on his turns for over a decade now. And this interview runs long because we really get into the weeds of how to have a sustainable long-term career in music. For anybody who's trying to make a living while building an artistic foundation on your terms, this is the interview for you. So, without further ado, I'm Flat Sound, and this is Talking Lion. Well, hey. Hello, hello. Howdy, howdy. <laughs> it's uh, it's nice to meet you. We had a we had a, an exceptionally good pre podcast chat. So I'm uh, I'm trying to like glean that into into uh, this this new podcast then. But the 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 thing that I I've gathered is that we are uh, very much cut from the same audio nerd podcast music cloth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we went on for probably too long about um effect chains and uh, quality and uh, how to get the best sound out of a podcast and all that stuff. So it's probably good we talked about that before the actual show because I don't think anyone else would really give a shit. I mean, the, the, the podcast could have been a half hour intro of just us talking about like various... Mic- if anything, I think the, the inspiration that this has struck in me is that we, the three of us, should start a podcast <laughs> about, about podcasts. podcasts. I, would, I would love a second podcast, possibly a third podcast if you want to break possibly off. Possibly a third, why not? The more the merrier. Into some other shit after that, yeah, of course. <laughs> well, it's, it's the MCU, well, the MP you the uh the the mitch podcast universe there you go (laughs) that's great (laughs) (laughs) thank you thank you thank you uh weren't you just complimenting my puns earlier today i was that was a different person i don't know i don't know who that yeah you know that was a that that was a that was a different time Uh do you know that your cells regenerate every four seconds i've heard that every four seconds seconds. that's a true science fact that i just read i feel like a new 
Oh, hey, how you doing? Oh, hey. <laughs> Every four seconds. Nice to meet yeah, you. Yeah, hey, hey, guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm Flatstown. Anyway. This is whatever the show is called again. <laughs> <laughs> no, you nailed the intro. I was really, really impressed by it. Um, <laughs> well, this is, it is exciting, though, because you are the first artist that we've had on Talking Lion who also has their own podcast. Yeah. Which, for, for me, feels like a really logical progression. I know, like, MXM Tune is starting to do it. And, like, Verite there, has a podcast. Verite has a podcast. Like, artists are starting to do podcasts. But, you know, I, I think that, like, because we wind up having interesting conversations about art and music and life, whatever, it, it's a logical progression. But but your your podcast is is is, is spanning an ocean. How how did uh, how did all the space between kind of like come about? Um, my partner and I, uh, we started off. We didn't really start off in a long distance relationship. We kind of fell into a long distance relationship. Um, she's from London, and uh, when we got together. Um, She's an artist, and uh, we we would spend lots and lots and lots of time together. But we were very used to long spans of her eventually having to go home every three months, you know? So we knew jumping in, if we start a podcast, there's going to be at least a little bit of time before you move here permanently that we have to podcast with you gone. And we wanted to kind of, you know, and this is like pre-COVID. This is, this is prior to everybody having a podcast that was just a recorded Zoom call or something, you know? So we knew we wanted to do it better and we wanted to have a seamless transition from when she was home to when she was not. And I loved, I loved hearing our listeners be like, I couldn't even tell. I couldn't even tell she's in London <laughs> right now. We're like, we fucking nailed it. Let's go. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we always kind of knew, I mean, from like the name of the show, uh, all the space in between, uh, it was a, like a reference to, uh, us being in a long distance relationship and us being completely on different sides of the world, as well as, uh, the podcast not really having any sort of topic. It goes it goes from giving relationship advice to giving art advice because we're both artists for a living and we talk about everything, you know? Well, it's awesome. And and from from what we listened to it, I, again, I was gonna I didn't want to be like the first thing that I texted you, but it is like it is like adorable. Like you hear the heart <laughs> you. the heart, you know, the she's heart. She's gonna love it. hearing uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well she's she, she's awesome. You guys are both you guys have a, obviously like a very great like you know, it's one thing to have like great relationship chemistry, but I think having podcast chemistry is an entirely different mm-hmm. beast. So to have to have both, I think is I think is really really cool. And of course, just the commitment to audio quality. We were we were lucky in our first season that we did uh, some interviews with friends of ours who were in like Ireland and and uh, Australia and whatnot. So like we had the remote thing down, just as like, oh, this is a good way for us to not just have to interview LA artists. Right. We could do you know anybody, and then. COVID hit and we were like, okay, so we just do it like that then. Yeah, we already right. had exactly. the infrastructure in place and just, they were like, um, this is the new normal, like, let's go. But oh, I yeah, loved, we I loved how it. when COVID hit though, it was like, we just saw a dramatic decline in everybody's podcast quality except ours. And I'd like <laughs> right, to just give right, us right, a round right, of applause right. for that one, right? Yeah, exactly. That was very cool of <laughs> us to continue our audio fight. quality even though the world shut down. There was an app that you mentioned that I, I hadn't heard of, but you know, maybe anybody listening who... Uh, is struggling with the quality of their audio. What's All right. the name of that app you were uh, talking about? It was about? called uh, CleanFeed. Uh, and I think it's I think it might just be cleanfeed.com, cleanfeed.net maybe, or maybe just Google CleanFeed. Um, and I actually CleanFeed. learned CleanFeed.gov? That, that's <laughs> it. That's the one, yeah. It's like cleanfeed.horse somehow. It's the only one they could afford. But the... Um, CleanFeed.epa, yeah. It's called CleanFeed because it's actually recording the direct feed of uh, your audio source instead of just like when you record a Zoom call, it's recording the call. When you record a Skype call, it's recording the audio of a Skype call. So it's your audio running through that software, but on CleanFeed, it's just recording your source audio, and then it just kind of meshes them together. And um, I think that would dramatically help many people's podcasts who are just recording Zoom calls, you know? Well, I think, you know, people don't know 
know this about ours, but like how, how we do talking line is just, we set up a mic on our end, our, the artist sets up a mic on their end. Mm-hmm. And then like in pro tools later, I put them all together and, and sync them up. So it sounds like we're at least in the same room together. Right. Obviously it, it relies on the artist having enough microphone savviness. Uh, though even we've had some people do like, you know, a voice memo on their side. And even that oh, would sound better than a Zoom call. No, listen, I, I, I get it. But like, <laughs> you know, but but here's the thing. That was one artist of like, you know, the last 20 or 30 yeah. we've For done. For the most part, everyone's got a mic. Most most people have a mic. Most of the mic. people you're interviewing are vocalists. Like that's right. the nice, easy crossover. Right. It's just a workaround. Like, I, you know, I, I'd rather have somebody setting up just any mic on their end as opposed to just trying to... to make heads or tails of the whole thing. I mean, mind you, I would rather people don't do that because like a, a not insignificant amount of work I've had in the pandemic is cleaning up Zoom uh, podcast R- stuff. Right. <laughs> so if you guys want to keep making that mistake, uh, happy to pay me for it. But like, the, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if anybody's curious about how to do uh, do do podcasting audio just like slightly better, mm-hmm. here's here's where uh, here's where you can make your improvements. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think it's funny, kind of how how we met. I mean, this is the first time we're like talking, right? You know, and um, which I'm almost sad about. I'm feel like if we had met two years ago, three years ago. Uh, our, our, my life would have been better because I would have known that there are other people with broken brains <laughs> right, like right, exactly. ours. Right. The moment we started you know? talking and we actually started talking, like uh, I, I knew that we were recording the podcast this way. I was like, oh, thank God. Like, oh my God. <laughs> okay, cool. Like, and then we started talking about specific plugins and how we in their effect chains and stuff. And I was just like, where where have you been? We only live like less than an hour away from one another too. So that's right, that's right. Oh, that's really funny. Well, you know, in safer times, you're welcome, welcome by whenever. Um, I, th- I think also too, like your brain is somewhere directly between Noah and I, like Noah and mine, because Noah has always been about about quality and like understanding how to get quality out of audio and and he he's the one who will do the mic shootouts and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. For me, where my brain is, I'm incapable of doing anything without assigning some sort of commercial value to it. Right. And I think that we were talking about that too before we started recording, which is like, you know, I play a ton of Overwatch and I'm up until three in the morning like playing chess mm-hmm. um, on chess.com, which if anybody wants to play me, chessing. <laughs> oh my god, chessing we're lion. Roll, that's wow. the name. We're gonna roll out our chessing first lion. Is the, chess.com. Yeah. yeah, it's chess.com. Yeah, but uh, you know, I, I, my the first thing that I'm I, my brain goes to is like, can we twitch this? Like, can we can we find some way of like getting some sort of commercial value out of like right out of like Overwatch and chess? Mm-hmm. You know, um, so it's just, it's definitely, it's definitely, uh, we appreciate you as all. Yeah, all. no, I, I feel like you, you, you two are, uh, you know, if just two of my major personality types split up into two people in front of me to the point where yeah. I don't actually think I'm having a call with anybody. I think I've actually just gone insane. And now this is just it right here because I, you know, I, I too, am, I'm, I'm just like, I'm constantly thinking like, okay, I'm, I'm in the merch room filling merch orders all the time. What if I set up a stream for that so I could do that on Twitch so I can make money while I make money? <laughs> that and is I some four-dimensional chess right that's there. That's incredible. Right. And I, I, what's, your, what's your chess.com name? Yeah, really. I even like set up the room as a stream room and then never did it. I have I have like there's there's like still like lights behind me and cool, cool stuff, and it all looks good. And we did like test streams and stuff, and at the end of it, I was like, I don't want to fucking do this. Why would I want to do this? Like I'm filling merch orders. <laughs> I just want to listen to a podcast, and not talk to anybody. Like I don't. I don't want to have right, to no, exactly. be on there speaking to people while I'm filling merch orders. It is a. It's a lucrative idea. It's 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 cool. And if I had enough energy or time, I could possibly do it. But um, 
and it's all completely set up. I have, I bought like cameras for it and everything. I bought, I bought lights for it. There's a, it looked, it looked great and it would have lived. Yeah. <laughs> but I, mean, I think there's also something liberating in acknowledging that you don't have to monetize everything you do. Of I course. think that that's like just one of the things we go through as these kind of multifaceted artists that the, the impulse is always there, but I think that there's also immense power in 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 recognizing that yeah like you you can even go so far as to buy all the stuff and uh-huh. set it up and and that and that you can you can let your hands off the reins and, and 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 be a little bit nicer to yourself and be like yeah i already am monetizing so many of my artistic talents i don't have to, yeah no that, no no that, but, but here, here's like that is extremely easy i think for, for you to say because that the voice to commercialize for you is like a nice calm like, like, hey, have you thought about maybe like <laughs> monetizing a- this creative aspect of yourself? For me, I wake up to somebody screaming, have you monetized right. this yet? Have you found some value for the art you're making? <laughs> that whole thing clipped, by the way, and I'm going to keep it clipping. That's just, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's what I said. We'll leave it in there for effect. It'll be a distorted effect. Yeah. You have to feel how angry you are. That's, that's. That's the thing is like that, that you know, like, no, no. So if, if anything, this advice is more for you than it is for me. That, 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 that sounds like a problem. That sounds like something you should talk about in therapy. Oh, well, quick question. Is your voice like a nice, calm person or does your voice have a, a vaguely English accent that, uh, that screams in your ear when you wake up? My voice is definitely the voice to make money is, is, um, it's there. But it's not loud at all. I, I'm always, I'm always, uh, I'm always kind of actively doing things to not make money somehow. Like I, I'm always working <laughs> on things that that are unprofitable uh, and are more artistic, and I have no idea why. I guess just because I'm so grateful for the amount of money that I make already that I'm, I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not struggling to pay for food anymore. So I, I'm just like, I, I don't have to do this. So why would I do that? I would, I would, I would rather just have a more laid back life, play more video games, and. Uh, continue having Spotify pay my rent, you know, and it's yeah. it's cool. But uh, the voice is definitely there, and it it needs to be turned up. It needs to be louder. It needs to be a much louder voice. Especially, I'm I'm 30 years old now, so I'm thinking about being in my 30s, and I'm so oh, I I'd like to buy a house one day, wouldn't I? <laughs> and I guess I'd like <laughs> I'd like all this other shit in life. I would like for Billy and I to have like nice things, um, and I want financial security. I didn't have that growing up. I wanna, I wanna continue to have those things. Um, so that voice is not as loud as the voice that's just saying, "Make this pointless art." And it's like, why? Because I said so. <laughs> because and then and then hide it right. on your website so no one will find it. Put it in a hidden <laughs> link that no one will find. Maybe three people will find it, and it's like that's completely inaccessible, and then no one will even see it. And it's like, but you did it, and that would be that would be cool. Well, and I, I also grew up like we. My dad did a good job of sort of like hiding it, but we were never in a place of like full capital F. S financial security. Mm-hmm. And it's not because of this, but they were both creatives. Like my mom was in like theater and my dad was in in music. So both cool. wound up uh, like like my dad moved more towards like business coaching and my and my mom moved towards um like academics, like teaching, uh, you know, after school programs. And again, we were we were fine, but but there was definitely, especially around the recession, the feeling like it could all go up, you know, go right. all, be a, a, a mess uh-huh. at any point, you know, if we watched one too many movies in the theaters or like ate sushi, of course. you know, yeah. three times a month or whatever. So, you know, I, I always kind of felt this like pressure of like, oh, if I am going to do the art thing, it's got to make more money than if I were to actually like apply for a, like a structured job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Which and- sa- it, it, that sounds like such a boring thing to some people, but like, Billy and I will give that advice on the podcast all the time. It'll it'll just be a person saying like I I want to put everything I have into my art and 
throw everything away to try and pursue it. But at the same time, I could take this job and have and be paid three times more than I ever have. And we're like, oh my God, take the job. Take, take the, the job, fucking yeah. job. Art is so it's so you're probably not gonna make it realistically, but you could still try. Try while you have the job. Try on the weekends. But financial security, yeah. <laughs> especially now, we live in a capitalistic society. Like, take the fucking job. Yeah, there's no nobility in being a starving artist anymore because there are so many artists who know how to not starve. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's like something that I really, really mm-hmm. took to heart, which was that. Uh, what I like about my job now is that if I have a good idea, very oftentimes like I can be rewarded for it. Mm-hmm. But that it took a long time and a decent amount of credit card debt to get to the point where those ideas meant anything. Um, and I don't know how much of this I would have recommended. It, like it, I think that I was just also bad at looking for work. Like I didn't like the resume cover letter I've, process. I have, I have up to this point in my adult life. Never really had to make a resume. Like I made mm-hmm. one to try to apply for a sync internship when I was like 17 or 18, like out of college. And I didn't end up getting the internship. Like I've made resumes, yeah. but I've never as an adult actually, like I've never written a cover letter. I've still right. to this point, never written a cover letter. I'm the I've same been way. So, I've been so blessed that I've been able to live my life thus far without truly having to veer into any kind of corporate structure. And I intend on keeping it that way because right. at this point I've put all my eggs in that basket. Exactly. Like, at this, like what at the this fuck point, are you going to do? If at it, this point, it I'm 24 away. and I don't have work experience. Mm-hmm. I, and and the the uh, the the process of condensing, like I feel like I'm incredibly qualified for a lot of jobs. <laughs> well, I think, actually, it was really really uh, like an inspiring. Um, I got a, a job, like a, somebody sent me a job offer for like like a listing, not like not the offer, but somebody somebody sent me a job listing for like the audio department of like a newspaper company. Right. And I'm like, oh, I'm extremely qualified for this and I'm right. not going to apply for it. No, exactly. <laughs> I, I, think, I think that there's there's just something about, and I think for me it's also, yeah, that I put all my eggs in this basket, that the, the, the effort it would take for me to change the course of my life has mounted to, to such a degree that at this point, being an artist is the path of least resistance. Right, right, exactly. Like being an artist and doing art for a living is the path of least resistance for me, which mm-hmm. I think is beautiful, but it's also kind of terrifying, especially in COVID when like fi- financial stability really got like the rug got pulled out from under us. I was like, I don't really have another option. Oh, I God, just got to yeah. keep making I, this I work. Feel, I feel so lucky all the time because the I I have friends in music. Um, uh, the closest thing I had to a manager for a long time, who actually just recently um, became my uh, manager. We give it up for Zach for becoming hey, the, my yeah. manager. For Zach, thank you, Zach, for for not having us have to go through you right, exa- first. <laughs> exactly, no, he's uh, <laughs> laid back. But um, he, it's uh, Zach Zarillo. He ran a website called Property of Zach years ago. Got kind of known for that, and then now, most notably, uh, runs just a thousand different businesses. My little, my little Zach friend. He just he has like a donut <laughs> shop, and he he's the manager to uh, Robbie from Cave Town. He got nothing nowhere oh, signed to a major. He got Robbie signed to a major. He knows I don't want anything like that, but I recently reached out to him, being like, I um love you for still wanting to work with me, <laughs> considering you've, <laughs> you've outgrown me a lot. Like, uh, thank you for still helping me with so much stuff. Are you still interested in taking on like a more managerial uh, role? You know, he he was the one who recently or who um who first told me once lockdown happened, he's like, get ready to take like, uh you know, 10 or 15 percent a hit to your uh, streams. And I was like, what? Everyone's at home. Everyone's listening to music. What are you talking about? He's like, nobody's commuting. Nobody's going to work. Nobody's going to school. That's when people are listening to music and podcasts, you know? So so artists are taking a hit already. We're thinking it's going to be about 10 or 15%. And uh, I was like, okay. And um, I never, I never took a hit and I've just been going up steadily since then. And now my plays currently 
knock on wood, are higher than they've ever been. But I'm also not like a touring artist and I didn't rely on like playing shows. I didn't rely on anything. We were like neither, that. yeah. So, but all of my friends that were, like, what the fuck are they gonna do? Like what what are they gonna because yeah. we're not gonna start playing shows anytime soon and we've already gone a whole year without them. Like that sucks. That's that's horrible. That's that's completely life changing, you know. Yeah, I, th- I think that one of the reasons why I, I'm always so eager to like monetize, try to monetize creative stuff, is because I think one of the differences between your project and our project is like Flat Sound is creatively like a little bit to the left to center, but it, like you have an audience and that can be like the revenue train for us. The actual Sleeping Lion project wouldn't be like the our actual creative endeavor isn't enough to float us. Mm. So yeah. uh, so we we lean on our technical skills in podcasting, film, production, writing, etc. to be able to, you know. And so we were saying before, you know, when we in the sort of preamble that that people think that it's a binary like you either don't make money from music or you mm-hmm. make money from music, but it's actually three trinary where it's uh you know you're not making money from music you're making money from music and then you're making money from your music right exactly the interesting thing about that too is that wherever you land in any one of those if you're making money uh, it's it's so it's so important to diversify your income uh because if some, like yeah. if i relied solely on shows and then the pandemic hit i, I would have been fucked or if i if i were relying completely off of uh, spotify streams uh, and then something were to happen with spotify something were to happen uh not just the plays going away but if they just you know like woke up one day and said hey it's completely different now that would also uh completely go away for me you know yeah if 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 those all uh if those all went away i would be completely fucked too it's 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 so important for people to not just run one thing especially if you're going to do uh something creative as a living i want to give myself more uh job security than if i had like a traditional job you know it's something that even my uh you know my dad used to say all the time is that that uh him and you know like a whole bunch of people in my life uh they were so loving but they also um very much kind of lived with this assumption that because i did something creative for a living that it could all just go away tomorrow and that's that's not necessarily true especially if you're if you know i i feel very safe making the money that i am on spotify especially because they pay you 3 months later based off of the streams that you got you know this is an entire season prior so i know the money i'm i know the paycheck i'm going to get 3 months in advance and i right. can if i needed to i can adjust my life to that if the plays took a huge dip i'm just okay let's start running merch i have a 3 month head start on right. when that dip is going to happen. It it feels like the most secure place I could be in. And it's it's a hell of a lot more secure than um, friends that I have that are uh, working traditional jobs. I feel that wholeheartedly because I, I know, oh, if, if we're taking, if we're, we have a slow month, I can call up all of my friends in film or, you know, clients that we worked with and we haven't worked with for like a year or two and just sort of check in and say, hey, do you have a project? And more often than not, they're like, oh yeah, we do have a project. And I I hadn't really thought to call because I assumed you were busy mm-hmm. or, you know, it just didn't cross my mind, like, because you're not in New York anymore, whatever. So, you know, I, I feel like that's that that's what I what I really, really love about the job. When I dropped out of college, my grandfather called. My, my grandfather did very well for himself. And so when I dropped out of college, he called me. Um, and I dropped out because I was getting really good film work. We just got on our first Spotify playlist. I'd gotten some, like, advice from Halsey. Like, there had been reasons why I wanted to drop out and just start my life in L.A. Mm-hmm. And he called me and he said, like, don't you want to live like me? Like, don't you want to have a nice house and travel the world and, like, you know, be financially secure. And I was like, yeah, that's why I'm leaving. Like right, I'm leaving right, because right. I, like I see a path where we can be 
where we can be like stable. Um, and I and I love the idea that like you know with sync, you know, you're just one lottery ticket away from not like you know being a millionaire or whatever, but being but uh, just hundreds like, of thousands of dollars there, of course, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, and 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 because we knew how to stretch five hundred dollars, mm-hmm. like I like the moment that we don't have to stretch something, yeah. I'm like, oh, I I know exactly how much money I need to not have to worry for three years or yeah, for right. four years or like and whatever. it's not that much It's not money. that much either, yeah. yeah. But also I think what's really, really exciting is, you know, as far as diversifying goes, is our job isn't that we're musicians or podcasters or whatever. Our mm-hmm. jobs are to be creatives and to always just keep an eye out for ways in which shifts in the world align with how we view things. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very much convinced and – you know, maybe it's crazy, but it's also what keeps like keeps me up at night and also wakes me up in the morning. Like, you know, it, it's what I'm most anxious and most excited about. But I think that like in my lifetime, I'm very confident I'm going to make a million dollars from something that doesn't exist yet. Wow. Mm-hmm. Like I, I feel in my like in my gut and soul that like we are learning the tools uh, to be able to adapt and to be able to like adjust to, you know, changes in markets and and whatever for things that that are going to come out in 5 years for or sure. 10 years, you know? Like so, you know, so people who have made like a million dollars off of TikTok, like that like did they think that that was going to happen 5 years God, beforehand? No. Fuck, no. no. There, there's there's no way. But they got very good at writing quickly. They got yeah. good at, at video editing. They, mm-hmm. you know, spent years doing choreography in preparation of of something. And so whenever I sort of feel down about this time, I know that we're diversifying so that we can be aligned with something that makes commercial sense. Whenever, whenever it comes out, yeah, you know, right, right. For if sure. not, whatever we're doing right now, yeah, yeah. No, you've, I mean, like you've already shared, like at, at least, uh, you know, like at least a couple ideas with me when we were talking before that that were just, uh, you know, unique, <laughs> haven't been done yet things. Which I'm stealing, by the way. I've, yeah, like I've already written. Oh, great! Them down. No, listen. Yeah. We, if, if if you're referring to that one thing, we need as many people <laughs> as possible on that. Uh, you know, you know, I, I'm like, I'm not just, I'm not just looking to change legal language i'm looking for a class action lawsuit wow you know, so. <laughs> that's dope honestly it's it's so ambitious it's more ambitious than i've ever been about anything like other than art because i am really ambitious when it comes to my art but i need help with everything else like i i uh, god just like the amount of people that have like you mentioned even just uh you know uh having having that initial stage of just getting into like credit card debt and the, these these you know these like learning experiences that we have and stuff I, I am in so much debt with the IRS. That is a that is a huge <laughs> learning experience for me. I right. Mean, oh, wow. So much debt. Because I started, I, I had no money for so long. And then suddenly I had some money all at once. And then for a couple of years, I thought, this is great. And then the IRS was like, no, it's not. Um, and <laughs> uh, then since then, it was just, it was a stumble after a stumble after a stumble. Uh, this year is like the, this, this I'm so happy, but it's, it's, it's the first year that I'm actually seeing that like, it's it's a large amount of money. Not compared to even just like, you know, student loans. Not, it's not like $100,000 or anything, but, but it's, it's, it's a sizable amount of money. And um, this is the first year that I'm actually thinking like, huh, I, I could pay that off. Like I can actually, <laughs> I can actually pay that off. And then for the first time, you know, since like 2014, I can actually be, uh, you know, making money, you know, uh, because <laughs> before I was just always, always, always in debt. Uh, learning experiences like that are essential, are good. I've always thought of, and actually, I've always 
felt this in my stomach, but but actually finally verbalized it. I used to think that I was a bit unmoored because I didn't like love music or I didn't love you know podcasting or I didn't love uh, like screenwriting, whatever. I I enjoyed doing all of them and I loved the feeling of of doing them, but that it wasn't the thing that like you come back to because you love it. Hmm. And I realized the thing that I was in love with was the spaceship. And that all those other things were planets, but that the thing I loved was the act of flying around the oh, cosmos. I see, you know, I see what you're, you're saying, yeah. And, you know, and and like that I felt like at the helm of, like I, I always felt like, a, you know, in Firefly, you're like <laughs> at the helm of the ship. But part of that is that I always love the crew. Like mm. I, I think that the best thing that's ever happened to me is that I'm not great at anything. <laughs> and so I know exactly like when to, to like, you know, hands-on like work on stuff. And, and the exact moment when I need to sit in my chair and like bring up the comms, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah, with <laughs> different yeah, power to rear thrusters. Yeah, or, or just like, you know, like call the, the mechanic on the crew as opposed right. to trying to fix my own, right. you know, uh, photon combu- combustor, right, you know? Right, right, right. You're, you're an essential part of any team, obviously. You know, that's the, because I, I've been, I've been, and flying solo for a long fucking time and uh to do all of that yourself i i'm i'm also bad at a lot of things and uh i've i've received a good amount of help not nearly as i should have taken a lot more uh help and now you know like the endless amount of help that i get even just with you know flat sound is it's just me and it's always been just me but not really you know not not it's it's me doing the writing and the recording and and the all that stuff but it's like uh billy's an amazing photographer where would I be without her, her, her skills of just even even just if she's not helping with the actual recording and singing, I run everything by her today. And it mm-hmm. makes me such a better artist because a lot of things that happens with art is that you I think it's so, so common for any artist to be really active when they're like 19, 20, 21, 22, 3, 24, and then start to dip off. I have a lot of friends who are my age and that they're 30. And I'm just like, what happened to you? Come on, dog. Like, <laughs> let's go. We got to make some more of this shit. We're just getting started. We're 30. Come on, mm-hmm. 30 is the fucking beginning. All of that shit was practiced. Let's go. And right. uh, they're done already, you know? I want to keep getting better at what I do. I want to become a better writer than the songs that have 10 million fucking streams on Spotify. I want to make better music than that, you know? And uh, I want to still be active. And Billy helps with all of that shit because I'm I'm running things by her. She'll I won't release a song. I won't release an album until her and I have sat down together and mixed it together. We've, we, mm-hmm. we have to sit there and be... And, you know, I mean... Like, you know how it is. We're turning things down by half a dB and being like, does right, this feel right. different to you? Yes, of course it feels different. I'm not an idiot. Like, it feels way different. It sucks. Put it back, you know? Um, <laughs> right. And then we're moving right, things. Right, right. Because the reality is no no fan is listening to um, to your song or even to, like, your podcast and 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 thinking, like, God, this is, this is so good. It's it just... I, I wish it were panned just 3% more to the left, you know? Um, <laughs> nobody's doing that. But. Or th- or this is so good, I wish that they had only done 100% of it. You know, like <laughs> right, on, yeah. on, the, on that other side too, it's like the people you bring into it is not something that you're going to get, that's going to take away from the experience. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. exactly. You don't exactly. watch a movie and you're like, oh shoot, I wish... It was only the director uh-huh. also writing, also and writing, acting. and also right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. It's like yeah. art is inherently collaborative. Like there's, there is pretty much no way to do it. Yeah, and, and that's I think that's a really that's a really profound thing that you don't necessarily lose anything. You you generally speaking have more to gain from letting people in than you do to lose. Right. You exactly. you, only, you only lose uh you know like your master split or your uh, you know right. your pro you know portion. But but actually I think like my biggest point of pride reaccounting is at the end of the year, you know, making the 1099s for our friends. 
Right. You know, and essentially saying like, oh man, like not only were we able to eat and like whatever, but we gave this much to, you know, to this writer and we gave that much to that writer. That's and that dope. like that that at no point in my stomach feels wrong. Like if mm-hmm. anything, I get really, really excited yeah. about that part. Cause it feels like, you know, it feels like investing in, in a in a community. Right. And I'm I'm newly in a partnership, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's been really good about like letting me embrace the spaceship. Mm-hmm. And she more pushes me to just like try if I have an idea, not let it sit for a year. Right, right, just, like, exactly. Get Which is it hard out, sometimes because you know? you're just like, that'd it's be hard. great. I don't have any time, or I I don't know even how <laughs> yeah. I would start that or something. I you know I'm sure I'm sure you guys' phones are just full of shit that you will. <laughs> like do or not do you know absolutely right, no, exactly. well, and, and i'm like oh man i have a great idea um it's just gonna take you know it's just gonna take some time mm-hmm. and i'm just like so busy and then i'll spend three hours playing overwatch of course yeah, yeah. oh my god I, I i play so many video games what would you say is your guys's like um is your thing that you're into that kind of uh sets you not sets you apart but uh makes it not even hard to relate to but uh what like chess or like not even smash because it's so popular, but uh, something that you grew up with that you uh, someone would find surprising about you or 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 hard to relate with. Uh, this is this is the trouble with interviewing podcasters. They He's just hit, they us, just hit us right question. back uh-huh. with it. Of course. Uh, <laughs> I could start if you want. Uh, yeah, oh. you, know, you, you start and we'll see if it dislodges anything in my okay. brain. Um, I'm a juggalo. Oh, I am. A, that's I am, interesting. I, I am an, an enormous clown posse fan. I am an enormous, enormous juggalo, and have been since I was uh, probably in the fifth grade. And um, I can't turn the microphone to show any of you guys, but um, there's a giant poster of the insane clown posse on my wall right there. Wow. Um, I I'm not wearing my Hatchet Man right now, uh, but I'm sure I could find something Hatchet Man adjacent on the desk uh, there. I I grew up listening to the insane clown posse. I grew up painting my face like a fucking clown when I was in middle school. Wow. It was before I got into like, uh, I, I I had gotten into like emo music, which got me into indie, which got me into, right, you know, right. which got me into wearing eyeliner, straightening my hair, which got me into just, uh, and then I was making music when I was 16 and all that stuff. But before then, I was a juggalo, became very embarrassed by it throughout my high school years. But then at some point in my 20s, I was like, what the fuck am I? This is the coolest shit I'm into. I know everything about these motherfuckers, and they're they're so inspiring to me, and they're so good to me. I love I I fucking love them forever. And uh, now it's just a enormous enormous part of my personality. I even uh, released a uh, through an artist on Psychopathic Records. Um, I became buds with him. Uh, he was the newest artist that in San Clan Posse had signed to their label, and um, oh, wow. I became buds with him. And we did a, a T-shirt for a charity. He really wanted to do a T-shirt that said uh, "Trans Juggalettes are Juggalettes," uh, and I was like, "That's that's the most <laughs> that's, awesome. that's the most niche thing I can fucking imagine. Let's fucking do it." I've always been really vocal about trans rights, uh, and I was like, "You're you're perfect. You're you're absolutely perfect. Let's do it." And we raised um, you know a few thousand dollars for a trans rights organization here that's in that's California. That's so good. Uh, what's the organization? We can we can plug them right now so people can if if they feel inclined to donate, we might even donate after the end of the podcast. Uh, can you put it in as like a postscript thing because it was two years ago I, and I completely I, forgot the name. I, absolutely, yeah, 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 absolutely. Jumping in from the future to say that the organization that Mitch is talking about here is Positive Images. Positive Images is a grassroots organization whose mission is to provide support, advocacy, and education to Sonoma County's LGBTQIA community. If you'd like to make a donation, we'll be including a link in the show notes and we'll be making a donation ourselves. Now back to the show. That's fascinating. That's incredible. I I'm, I can't talk. I mean, I don't think we can necessarily, like, I don't think like there's anything that's going to be that out of left field for anybody listening. 
to who know us, but I do think I have something. Okay. What would surprise people, especially if they like have seen photos of us or like, you know, just sort of generally understand our lifestyle um, is that, that I'm actually like a pretty serious cyclist. Mm. Oh, really? Um, like I've, you know, I, I, my dad, his like way of exercising, you know, cause we wouldn't, we wouldn't, he wouldn't really like go to the gym. Mm-hmm. Instead he would jump on a trampoline, you know, to, just to get himself warmed up. And then he would go on an hour long, two hour long, three hour long bike ride. Whoa. And my dad, you know, was one of the first, you know, one of the early work from home people because he's a, a, a business coach. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, you know, like, like when, when you, I, I don't, I don't know if he necessarily did this, but when he had, you know, when the Bluetooth came out, mm-hmm. I know he would go on bike rides and that's how he would make his, his, some of his calls. Dope. Um, I don't know if it was to clients or just like his assistant or whatever, but like he would work and, and that was how he got his exercise. And from, from my youngest, age like I lived in a small town in New York biking was how you got everywhere so I would bike with my dad I would bike to school you know I would bike with my friends um it was a big part of like the culture that I grew like of of growing up in the suburbs that's dope that, that we really really didn't outgrow and you know I moved to Boston which was great for biking in and uh LA is great for biking in um uh, especially like the east side because it's like relatively flat mm-hmm. but they're like nice like hilly moments. So people don't realize that because a lot of my work in Sleeping Lion is is phone calls and just listening to a demo a hundred times to like uh-huh. find out what's wrong with it. Like Noah is like the 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 capital P producer who, you know, works in the DAW. Uh-huh. I'm the 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 lowercase P producer from the 80s who like is listening for what a song could be. And so right. I like really love getting immersed in that. And I'm also so I get so distracted when I'm like home on a phone call with like the computer and video games, or whatever, that like having no distraction other than driving or biking is great. So so I bike for like anywhere from four to eight miles a day. Whoa. That's like for like for about an hour or two or three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool, especially because yeah, the like the producer, the you know, the the engineer, the the you know, that lifestyle is like sitting in a chair for so long doing the same thing right. in front of a computer and then you're like, "Ha, gotcha. I'm fit." <laughs> I'm actually. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I got a like my 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 sort of joke is I got a producer credit on the bike. Right. Like I because <laughs> my my like my my job is to like, you know, is again to hear this demo and to imagine, oh, well what if we got a cello player on it? Oh, mm. you know, like this this section is losing energy. Why is it losing energy? How is it losing energy? Um and then like, you know, taking those notes either mentally or like actually um or or calling Noah immediately while on the bike. Right. To, you know, and and then that's a 20-minute phone call of mm. us just sort of like figuring it out. But again, I'm already like halfway to Silver Lake, you know? That's dope. <laughs> so yeah, I, I guess for people listening who maybe didn't know, I was like a very serious cyclist. I would love uh, to get into something like that just because I'm so inactive. I, I have to just be like, Mitch, you're, it's a bare minimum. You have to walk at least, just at least 5,000 steps a day, <laughs> dude. Like that's nothing. That's just like a couple fucking miles. Just walk 5,000 <laughs> steps a day. Like it's fucking easy. Just do it. But certain day, like, and then I'll mostly do it if I have like lots of phone calls that day or something, because then I can just walk right. and talk and walk and talk and walk and talk. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. I'm at like 7,000. Cool. But that's like, that's bottom. Like, that's really just like. No, it's it's, it's surprisingly difficult here. I, I, lo- I was looking at my average because, you know, oh, I, this is tying into uh, me about to answer the question mm-hmm. as well, that I, I spent my, when I was 10 to when I was 17, uh, living in, in Rome, Italy. And wow. when you live in a place like that, you walk everywhere. Uh-huh. Like when I'm back home for the holidays, I'm walking like on some days, and especially like when we're in Venice, like or, or in or in Florence or something, 
you know, I'm walking 25,000 steps a day. Like, and that mm. is my happy place. Like I love, I love <laughs> New York for that reason. Mm-hmm. Like I love, you know, I, I, there are days in New York, I'd walk from like a hundredth street all the way down to the bottom of Manhattan and Boston. I mean, we'd, and Boston we'd we'd walk walk around, but like, yeah. like I love walking around a city. It's kind of like the tragedy of LA that I don't get to do that. But I've also found a love for driving, which has kind of been a surrogate for that. But anyway, one thing that maybe might surprise people about me even people who, who might know me is I've I, none of it has been very consistent, but I have had very interesting excursions into like weirder parts of physical activity. One being I was really into karate as a kid. I got really Ooh, cool. good <laughs> at, at karate when I was when I was like before I moved to Italy and, and like when I was in living in Zimbabwe, I got like to like brown belts in karate. Wow. Like I was like a pretty, pretty good at martial arts. And then I tried I tried keeping it up in Rome. Uh, and the two kind of weird like excursions that people I think anyone who knows me and that I'm kind of like, I mean, now I'm trying to stay active, like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting better at working out regularly, but I'm also, yeah, I'm kind of a sedentary person and kind of like a, a mild mannered person. But I did parkour for a year. Hey, <laughs> I took a parkour class and like go. learned learned a bunch of that kind of movement. And I also took this very obscure form of martial arts called Wing Chun, which I've actually, I was thinking about recently because what's interesting about Wing Chun is that it's mm-hmm. all about redirecting energy, that it's not so much about inflicting force as using other people's force or weakness against them, Whoa, which I okay. think was part of what appealed to me about it. It was, a, it was a kind of self-defense that was less about how hard you hit and more about exploiting uh, people's like unawareness of their own body mm-hmm. weight. And I just found, I thought that was really interesting. Wow. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah that's really cool. I wish my thing was physical and it wasn't just, you know, painting my face in middle well, I'm, school. <laughs> I'm, surprised, I'm surprised you didn't say like, like acting. Like, I think that like, people, I, yeah, I people, guess don't, so. people don't realize that like you, you were, you, when you were a kid, you acted as much as you did music. Yeah, I acted more than I did music. Really? I was, I was Whoa. deep into, th- deep into theater. I, I had a really, I had a relatively small theater program and I was also pretty good at it. So like, I was the star of the play and the musical pretty much four years running. Like, like ninth grade, tenth grade, eleventh grade, twelfth grade. I was I was the, the lead in 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 eight plays. Oh Jesus! Um, um, like so, did you have um, creative parents as well? Like, were you pushed into 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 that at a young age? Not so much. I mean, my dad kind of plays guitar. Um, my mom comes from a sort of artistic household, but huh. you know, they, they both sort of worked in NGOs. So that was just uh, like mostly you. Just hey, I want to pursue uh, theater as a as a child. Yeah, I think I think theater came, but I, honestly, I mean, I was acting. I had a huge role in in the fourth grade play too. Like, I just I think <laughs> I just loved being on stage. I think I just always loved performing. Really, wow. Uh, and and I think that that bug was just always there. And I, I was just naturally better at it than I was at sports. Like, I had sports teachers saying, "Hey, you're bad at this," and I had music and drama teachers being, "Hey, you're really good at this." So I just like naturally got that validation, that little hit of validation mm. from a really young age of people saying like, hey, you're really special. And I was like, really? And then that was it. Like, that was it for me. I was just like, I was I had, I've been chasing I had most people telling me that I was since. just kind of bad at things. They were just like, you're not good at sports. And it's just like, oh, you're also not really good at math. It was like, okay, cool. I, 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 was, I was good at just the one thing and it was writing. But I failed out of like everything else. They were like, you're a great writer. I'm like, that's cool. I still don't want to come <laughs> to class. So I'm not going to do that. I, I feel that my, my, my music teacher at school thought I was like dog shit at music. Right. <laughs> um, the, the, and, and my mom was the my mom was the drama club. So like at my school. So mm-hmm. I didn't like I was still in the school plays because she sort of was like, you, come on, it's going to look bad if you don't do that. Right. But at the same time, and also my like high school crush was in it in the school plays. So I'm right. like, Ooh. let's do this. Let's, yeah. you know, but, but yeah, like I had a film teacher who was essentially like, Hey, like you actually are, are, are good at this. I don't know what that means to you, but you know, keep, keep chasing that <laughs> feeling. <laughs> yeah. But did you, did you, what were, were you going to settle on karate or were you going to stumble on chess? I think, no, I think actually, I think actually <laughs> what, I, the thing that, that I thought of that's more, I think more similar to yours as a piece of pop culture that, that, 
I guess the, the thing I was struggling with is with this question was like, what's something that's still actually a big part of my personality, not right. just something that like I was a foray into something. Mm-hmm. I think the, the most interesting thing I can point to is that when I was really young, when Pokemon was on the air, my mom just didn't want me to watching it because she thought it was too violent. Mm-hmm. And then when I got a little bit older, I was allowed to watch Digimon. And even though I'm sure my mom would have let me watch Pokemon at that point, I was just really into Digimon and Digimon's not exactly like obscure, mm-hmm. but I feel like the zeitgeist or the majority of people I meet have a much deeper relationship with Pokemon. It's true. It's true for sure. Then, then something like Digimon, which is arguably like the CVS knock, knock, like brand knockoff yeah, version exactly. of it. Cause I'm pretty sure it was created afterwards. Uh-huh. But I think, I think because of that as well, because it's this kind of underdog piece of culture. Uh, and my first band that I was ever in when I was 15, we were all Digimon kids oh, rather than Pokemon kids. So it was this huge bonding experience. We watched the first two seasons together as a band and, and it was this really wonderful bonding experience. And it really solidified in my heart of hearts that like, I love this show and I will, I have a kind of possessive, like mm-hmm. defensive nature of like, <laughs> everyone thinks Pokemon is cool, but Digimon is like, I personally think a deeper and more interesting. Not to play devil's advocate, but, but you, no, this but, is no, but like, not to play de- devil's advocate, but my shit is cool. Yeah, and it's exactly. Like, it's totally like ego and like, <laughs> like uh, if anything, it comes from a place of insecurity, but it is, it is also, I also do just think regardless of whether, whether we're ranking culture, I also think the Digimon is just underrated. Like I think, that's that not funny. enough people I, know how good and deep and dark that show gets. Yeah, for sure. Because uh, the the irony, the, the last thing I'm going to say, <laughs> the irony, of, the irony of of the thing is that in Pokemon, when a Pokemon gets defeated, it goes in a little ball and it sleeps. When Digimon's get defeated, they die. They get disintegrated <laughs> out of existence. That like, alone it is exponentially more violent, like, which I think is just funny. But I think PG-13 that's also what makes point. it. I think that's also what makes it interesting to me is that there, the stakes are higher in it. That's I have funny. another one for I have another one for Noah, uh, and, and and it's <laughs> funny because I, I I can't think I can't think of anything for me, uh, which solidifies my my hypothesis, which is that Noah is interesting and I talk a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, but. Uh, I, I don't. I don't want you to do this, Noah, because uh, I want to keep this podcast episode at a normal length. But if you asked him, which at some point I think in your life, Mitch, you should, mm-hmm. he can actually make a compelling argument for why, in a dystopian future, uh, we could actually kickstart the uh, economy uh, through Arizona iced tea cans. <laughs> I have a morbid <laughs> and fervent and unexplainable fascination with the Arizona Beverage Company. Be, wow. Because be, because of the consistency to which it's maintained they its dollar moved policy. Mountains. Th- this company moved mountains <laughs> to keep to keep <laughs> that price point. Everybody can see how passionate he's getting right now. He's really no, yeah. this. And, I, he's I, very and I'm ending right and I'm and I'm ending it right here. Yeah. I am nip, I am nipping it in the bud before it starts. We're saying no more. I just want you to know. <laughs> That if you were ever really bored, uh, that is a that is a, a piece of information you could figure out, find out through him. <laughs> Having a plethora of knowledge of anything like that is is always so good because you know you, you uh, so much of this shit consumes our lives. You know because sometimes I'm like, how do I even find time to get good at Smash? How do I because I'm doing this shit all the time. Uh, right. But it's always good to just like you know when you're not doing this stuff, you're you're just kind of cramming your brain with some other useless shit. You know you're just well, kind of we, we have a trivia team. Oh really? We have a trivia team for, called for, Guessing Lion. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we do it every week. <laughs> we do it every week. <laughs> what don't you guys have at this point? <laughs> Pausing the podcast to shout out our sponsor, New Wave. No, I've been drinking coffee my entire life. You know, as a as a Roman, same. As a New Yorker, 
Absolutely. It's our birthright. It's our birthright. We came out of the womb drinking coffee. Fully caffeinated. And the thing is, is that we're not getting any younger. That's true. And we're not getting any less anxious. Oh, man, that's true, too. I'll say I have loved coffee my whole life, but lately it hasn't really been agreeing with me. How so? Unfortunately, when I drink coffee now, I just start feeling very agitated, very anxious. I've been looking around for alternatives that don't make my heart just beat out of my chest while I'm in the middle of working. And that's how we stumbled upon New Wave. New Wave's Flow State Coffee is an organic ground coffee meant to lower anxiety, improve brain function, and support creativity. With L-theanine and raw cacao, Flow State Coffee is meant to feel like a cup of hot chocolate or tea while giving the energy of coffee. And now, through Talking Lion, you can try a couple cups of your own. If you go to their website, newwave.co, that's N-O-O wave.co, you can use the code BREWINGLION for 10% off your first order. We hope you get a creative boost and find your flow state. Now, back to the show. Where are you from? Okay, uh, I was born in Mexico, uh, so I'm from Cabo San Lucas, was born in La Paz, was only there when I was just a small baby, uh, came up to the United States, lived in Washington for a little bit. Again, I was a small baby, who cares, but I've been in Southern California my whole life. Oh. Gotcha. What, Washington, not the D.C.? Uh, Washington State, yeah. yeah gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Oh, so yeah, you've been you've been more, you've been West, Western. Yeah, we're, we're uh, I'm an East Coast, I'm New York, oh, born, yeah, New yeah. York, born and raised, yeah. Dope. And how old were you when you started Flat Sound? I think it was, a, I was 16 years old. I was 16. So I've wow. been doing it for uh, half my fucking life now, um, which is <laughs> which is nuts, right? But uh, yeah, I was I was about sixteen when I started it. I was I was in high school, maybe about to be seventeen uh, soon, and uh, started it just by putting up songs on a MySpace page that were like under the name Flat Sound, like they, it was it, like those were Flat Sound songs. Uh, I was pushed to do it by a partner at the time. She was um, traveling to scotland you know for the summer and <laughs> when you're that young someone being gone for three months is like how will we survive this you know right, how, right, how will we right. ever get through this you know i had had a multi-track i was recording little stuff i was never actually finishing songs i was just recording little ideas and stuff i was learning how to record and she uh made me promise her that i would um i would actually finish some songs and i would record some stuff and i would put them up on a myspace page so she can listen to them while she was gone mm-hmm. uh so i was like okay this is the kick i need i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna I'll 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 start to put music out there, and I started Flat Sound right then. It was like the summer, turning sixteen to seventeen. So I've been doing it for a while. And you have a you actually have, have a record called Scotland. I wish you had stayed. Yes. So I think under the ending of that story. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I I appreciate that title though. How how'd you come up with the name uh, Flat Sound? I have a close friend. It was he is he he's my best friend to this day. His name is uh, Jordan. And um, like our our dads were friends in like the 70s when they were younger and stuff. And then, uh, you know, they both had kids. They went their separate ways. And then when we were like in elementary school, they linked back up again. And they're like, I have a kid. I have a kid. Oh, wow. They should become best fucking <laughs> friends for life. Um, so uh, uh, I was on. He was driving me. My father was driving me to Jordan's house for the weekend. I spent like every single weekend there. I was in high school uh, still. It's probably a year before I started Flat Sound. And I remember in my head, I, I was making fun of like uh, local bands or just uh, big projects <laughs> that that would uh, take their names from uh, things that they had uh, found or that, that they saw that that were books or uh, street names or something. There was some like local emo band from the high school that I went to that their name was uh, Glasgow Drive. And that was just like a street in the suburbs of just, you know, that was like a few blocks <laughs> right, away. Right. And I was like, wow, that's so funny. And I kept thinking about stuff. And I was telling that to Jordan when I got to his house and we were just like picking up stuff and reading it 
uh, being like, oh yeah, if this would be like an obscure noise project, and this would be a, a, right. a, a this or that, <laughs> right. and uh, he picks up a, a a box for like a microphone that he had because we were like just getting into recording at that point, um, mm-hmm. and it was just some like cheap microphone he had. I wish I remembered what kind, but it was just some just some cheap microphone box. It looked old too, and uh, one of the advertisements on it was like uh, it goes uh, eliminates flat sound, you know, and uh, <laughs> he, he goes. Uh, yeah, he was like, oh, yeah, this would be this and uh, flat sound. And we both paused and I was like, I like that kind of. And he's like, I like it too. <laughs> uh, so he he uh, he writes it on his wall because he was fucking punk. And uh, he was like, consider that when you start making music because I always knew I wanted to start something, you know? And he was like, consider that. So when it was time to make the MySpace page, I just like made a list of all the things and they all sucked other than flat sound. <laughs> so I was just <laughs> like, all right, great. thanks, Jordan. I'll just use that uh, forever. Thank you. Well, that's awesome. Wow, I really love that. The the, the yep. it actually reminds me that the first band that I ever started was with was with my my two friends and we were our parents were all together watching the World Cup mm-hmm. and we got bored of watching the World Cup and we the previous day we were like oh, that previously that week we'd all been hanging out and we played the Beatles rock band together mm. uh, and and had this really fun you know virtual video game experience of playing together as a band mm-hmm. and we kind of were all like what if we started a real band. And we came up with the idea, an idea for a concept album about pirates and, mm. and, and betrayal and stuff. God, and we, love- we drafted this entire like fictional story about you know before we even had music, we we came up with what we wanted our first album to be. And then when it came time to to find the band name, we tried for a while. It might have even taken like a couple days or weeks, but we eventually went on the Wikipedia list for breeds of birds. Hell yeah, let's and go! <laughs> hit random and found a bird called the cuckoo shrike. And we're like, what if we called ourselves the Cuckoo Shrikes? But like, sp- put the word together and like stylize it. And what I what, what I like about that, apart from the fact that it's just a cute story and letting the randomness of the internet decide uh-huh. your 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 band name, is that I also my my most recent like musical endeavor is a project called Music for Birds, nice. where all the songs are named after birds. And I had to go back to that exact same Wikipedia article to actually <laughs> the exact same compile one. the list. It was the exact same well, Wikipedia that's article so to funny. compile the years list years later. Years later, that, that I was that I was still using this Wikipedia article to name music after. Well, you, you, should, you should write a song about the nostalgia of like writing music as a kid without any pressure and call it Cuckoo Shrike. Yeah, that's, that, that's that. on my list. It, it, <laughs> it, it hasn't. I haven't written the song yet because it feels so charged. But that that was one of the earliest ideas for Music for Birds was to have a song called Cuckoo Shrike for that wow. precise reason. God, that's so dope. A funny thing that like I mentioned before we started the podcast, but now here we are, is that. We we met over Twitter because of our friend Meg Meyer, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think she you know she listened to your podcast or like followed you on Twitter, and she was like, oh, hit him up, and so so I reached out to you on Twitter, mm-hmm. um, and what was funny was that I just like I trust Meg inherently. I'm like if she likes, you know, if she likes him, if she likes the whatever, like great, awesome. And I, I'm thinking to myself, oh, an artist who has a podcast that'll be an interesting episode, uh, which I think so far it has been. <laughs> um, uh, you know, the listener that's for you to decide, please rate this podcast. I don't know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But what's funny is like, I'm like, why does flat sound so, sound so familiar? And I look back and I look back and I'm like, I I knew it. And you had that same microphone box in your room when you were a teenager. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I thought I recognized one of your cover arts and I click on it and all the songs on that record are saved. And I click on, you want to look for help. Mm -hmm. um, And the moment you start singing, I'm like, I used to listen to this That's so all the time That's when so I was dope. making folk music. Uh, so I literally messaged you on Twitter. I'm like, okay, so when I actually t- talked to you 10 minutes ago, I didn't know who the hell you were. And 
uh, I just thought you you were cool. Uh, but now I realize that I'm also like a, have been a fan of yours for a long time. So now now you know. <laughs> That's super super cool. Yeah, no, I um, I I'm always so surprised at the the reach Flat Sound has had without being on a label or working with anybody or doing anything like that. Because whenever God, even even just like my little sister or something will will um you know she's she's like 25 now and she she's still just like I wore your shirt at work and someone said something about it it was so i and then i i could just be like that's my brother and they're like like your <laughs> actual brother and she's like, yeah that's it's mitch it's my brother it's like that's so that's so bizarre to me because it, it it that hasn't really touched me yet but whenever someone is just oh i've heard of flat town i was like oh that's cool how right. <laughs> how on well, earth? And, and also you've you've been around long enough so where like long yeah it's the longevity more than anything i think i just haven't gone away yet you know but right. you've been, you've, right, been right, right. you've been around long enough that not only you know do people know you but like you you do have that not insane clown posse you know whatever but like mm-hmm. the 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 nostalgia ni- niche mm-hmm. influence status mm-hmm. Flat like, fans are really, really dedicated and really, perhaps to a detriment. You know, I, I have to. <laughs> I'm very vocal about uh, not being weird to me, and I, I decided years ago too that I was like, if you just personally just started talking to these people and just trying to educate them, like, hey, I know stand culture is like a thing. It doesn't apply to me at all. I read all of these. Please don't dehumanize me. It helps them become like a cooler person. And now instead of just losing a fan or having an annoying fan, you now have a cool fan. You know. Right, that's really right. interesting. But, yeah, flat sound fans are really, really dedicated. They're just like the. I I used to think you know, like well back in like the MySpace days, I used to think, man, if somebody other than my friends listened to my music, that'd be really cool. If somebody in Australia <laughs> listened to my music, that'd be really cool. Like if I just did like one release and ju- I I just released like a um just like a CDR or something, and I I just had that many songs like an EP or something, that would be really cool. And then the faraway dream for me was always like if somebody okay, let's say like I don't know, let's say years later, and I stopped flat sound a long time ago, but I I I I just learned or something. Something that somebody got a tattoo inspired by my work at some point would absolutely <laughs> change my life. And now I've seen too many flat sound tattoos to count. Like it's hundreds and hundreds <laughs> and hundreds of flat sound tattoos. And it never stops feeling weird to me. It's always just like, wow, why the fuck did you do that? Let's are you sure you want that? Like that's very I'm I'm extremely flattered. Are you sure you want that? Don't, don't, don't feel inclined to do that. That's a permanent decision on your body. Holy <laughs> well, that, shit. That, I, I think the, I think the first time so so and and again to the paid for your music, paid for music, paid for your music, like none of no sleeping. No, actually, wait, no, Skylar got uh rug. Rug. Yeah. Okay. So actually, there is shout out to Skylar. Shout out Skylar. We do have we do have uh, one sleeping lion tattoo mm-hmm. on somebody. But the other, yeah, the the other piece is uh, like the first tattoo we saw was somebody got a tattoo of a song we wrote for somebody else. Dope. And even that, like with that degree of separation, sent me into a full on panic. Of course, for, you're just like you know, I for did the, and then forever for the rest of their lives unless they get it covered up or something. But but still, like hopefully they won't. <laughs> and then. My God, it's such a, it's such a, it's just such a strange honor. It's almost like, like an honor to the point where I, I don't want to be involved with it too much. Like I stopped doing requests for my handwriting for a tattoo a long time ago because I'm just like, I get, I totally get why you would want that. I don't want to do it, but I, because you, it's totally cause, cause you awesome. wouldn't just do it once. You would do it like, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're anything like our brains, you would do it like 80 times knowing it was going to be on somebody. Like, I just can't stand the thought of like my handwriting being on it because I, I'm, I'm always just like that song meant a lot to me and it meant a lot to you. And that's great, but it means two totally different things to the both of us. Let that separation exist. I'm, I'm, right. I, I'm, I didn't do that. Like you had your 
own connection to that song, have that be your connection with it and not something that feels like it's putting me on a pedestal, you know? Well, yeah. what is interesting though, and to, to, to what I was sort of saying a little bit earlier was that like, we're your sister's age. So mm-hmm. if we started listening to you day one, we would have been 11. Right. And I have some fans and, that are, I have some fans right. that are literally like, I was 11 when I found sleep and I was like, that's, I mean, I can't express how gross that is to me, dude. Like, please don't. Like, <laughs> no, but, but, that's, but, that, but, that, but the, the sort of thing that I'm playing at is like, you know, best case scenario, our day one, if if they are our age, was, you know, 20 or 19 mm-hmm. when, you know, not as necessarily formative as somebody who's been around as long as you have. So the, the thing is, is that like, yeah, you, you weren't just like, oh, something I listened to at that time because I think I was going through a breakup, mm-hmm. but also like, an influence. Like I think right. that that's, especially in the age of like influencers means something different. Right. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. They're influencers, but there are also people who like, when you are starting to make your art, you listen to and you know, the fact, the fact that like, and we hope that at some point, like we, and I think we have to a degree, you know, somebody's like, oh, well, I started making music because I listened to that thing that, you know, to, to you mm-hmm. and some other people, whatever. For, for, for better or worse, we are responsible for a whole swath of people choosing to go to Berkeley. I've gotten that directly <laughs> from people. And that's an overwhelming feeling of like, wow, I was I was part of your decision to choose <laughs> super, super this cool. school. Like I was part of the thing that, that factored in it. I'm like, I'm honored, but also like, sorry. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but it's sure. like, yeah, that's the, that's the, uh, that's the, the, the big, the, the long and short of it is that like, like I like your music plenty, but it was also like important at the time I was listening of to course, it. Like, yeah. In my own, it's like you, you're you're part of my creative makeup, which uh-huh. is that's, very, which that's which is weird awesome for if it's if that sounds weird to you, that's also like you know whatever mm-hmm. like I, like that's that's uh, if it makes you feel any better, I had never heard of you. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Pausing the podcast to remind you that we have a Patreon that you can subscribe to if you want to support the show. If you're enjoying this episode, but you're thinking that you've got a burning question for an artist, or you just want to talk with us, or maybe you just want to mug with our faces, our Patreon's the way to go. So go to patreon.com slash talking line to subscribe. Now back to the show. Do you have a favorite line in you want to look for help or like something about the song that like you don't think people would immediately notice um, that you want to sort of like because that song's I think the most sort of special to me and I'm curious if there's anything that I've missed you know it would be I don't know because the that whole release to me is really is really nice the the whole release was something that I was uh, working on for a while I was planning originally to not do flat sign anymore after sleep after 2012 uh, I was just like ah, I'm done with that I think I'm going to pursue something else uh, maybe it's time I do get a job and I do do something uh, sleep was kind of a flop but now it's my most listened to album I, I just it didn't hit right at first and I, I worked <laughs> super hard on it and I thought fuck like this this sucks and then I gave it like a couple years and I was like no I got an EP in me come on I, I mean like I never stopped making music I, I, I you know I put out some stuff but I don't ever really I listen to my own music uh, a lot I'll put on my own music when I'm just like walking to listen to like what I liked about a song from 10 years ago and what can I still how can that translate today knowing more than I did then but mm. still retain that magic that I had then of not knowing because I, I have this whole thing where I I think not knowing something in art is is the most is is just the most magical position you can be in to experiment and not know what's at the end of that you can never recreate that once you learn it Mm -hmm. I wholeheartedly agree yeah now I'm I'm sort of at the cusp always of not knowing the next thing you know I'm always just like what can I do you know that I don't know it's okay to be comfortable with mixing and do some reductive EQ if you need it or to to you know (laughs) but and to learn that now at this age is awesome but let's see, um, you wanted to look for help. My favorite thing about that song, because with 
you can ask me about any flat sound song and I'll, 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 I'll say, oh yeah, I, I know exactly where I was when I recorded it. I know what microphone I used when I recorded it. I know what I recorded it into. And the cool thing about that song is that um, there's, there's a little bit of snare in it. Yeah, and I, there's like a build to the whole song too, which is so pretty. And I uh, I recorded the snare at the same time as my vocals because I was actually mm. just hugging the snare drum as I was singing and I was just kind of hitting it with my hand because I, I thought that would just be the most creative way to do the song, you know? Um, <laughs> that's awesome. That's really interesting. Yeah, so that's uh, just like looking back at it. I remember the recording process of it, but mostly I remember hugging a snare drum as I hit <laughs> it with my finger and I sang to it, you know? I mean, like that was kind of hard to comp, but I, I, I still was just like, it has to, it has to line up like this. And um, well, it has Elliot Smith levels of like being in the room with the artist. And mm-hmm. I think that that is a way of like the way that you sort of brought it in. Yeah, you know? yeah. But, but uh, that song also, I'm, uh, I'm pleased that you like it so much, considering it's the, it's the, uh, it's the least popular of the release. And that's why I like, I even looked it up. I'm like, how did I find mm-hmm. the song? Was it like in a TV show or whatever? I think it was like an out there Pandora suggestion that's when cool. I started listening to like that kind of stuff. That's really, really. Cool. Like the sort of more lo-fi, lo-fi stuff. So, yeah, super random. It was like super random. Um, I literally, I spent probably about twenty minutes being like, "Do I like the song?" Because I heard it in some CW show, and I'm just like on the train, and then <laughs> I, I'm like, I wish. "I'm going." <laughs> I wish that was why you heard the song. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't don't we all? You know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That, hey, that's 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 awesome. Well, you you put out something in 20, 2019, which is an instrumental. It's an ambient music album. Yeah. An ambient music record. Mm-hmm. That's that's awesome. We we were we've been toying around with like making a piano record oh, under a pseudonym. They're so fun. Because, They're so good. You know, and also those playlists are like literally just like the most money on Spotify. Oh yeah, no, I I'm I am like I think there's actually something wrong with my brain. I didn't I I I didn't submit that album to playlist at all. I I didn't and I <laughs> but it was an ambient music album and it gets pretty good plays too, but like not as much as it could. Man, if they just if, fuck. If Spotify just put that on a playlist called like Sleepy Time, it would have changed my life. I would have had a house by now, you know, like it's it, it's seriously those things. People press play and then fall the fuck asleep. So they, they get plays like crazy. Well, right. I've even toyed around because of my background in sound design with making like those, you know, like compiling a bunch of rain, you know, royalty free mm-hmm. rain samples yeah, yeah. plus my own samples and just making like a bunch of YouTube rain, like whatever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, for anybody looking for like very out there, like alternate revenue st- schemes, like that is that's, that's a that's a whole that's thing. a good one. Yeah, yeah. Talk, talk to us talk to us again in a year from our bathtub full of money and we'll tell uh, you yeah, how yeah. It <laughs> exactly. I, I, uh, <laughs> I have like two separate friends who made like a decent amount of money just because they started doing like um, videos on YouTube that were just like hour long meditation, um, you mm-hmm. know, and it was just them hitting a uh, hitting like a singing bowl or something, you know. And um, <laughs> then uh, you know the algorithm just like works in their favor at some point, and then suddenly it has three million fucking uh, uh, views, and that. That's that's a revenue stream right there, you know. Well, and I I I think where my like again commercial brain is is, is like okay, we are no matter what market you're in, you're going to be in a saturated market. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that we care about quality, but we also have the capacity for quantity. Mm-hmm. So okay, why not NFT 
everything we've ever made ever. Why not, uh, you know, make 25 ambient videos and 30 piano songs mm-hmm. and whatever, um, and, and make instrumentals of everything we've ever done too. Like, because if the money is it hitting once, you're just buying as many lottery tickets as you can. Exactly. Exactly. You're not saturating the market because the market's already been saturated by mm-hmm. other people. Yeah. You know, so that's that's kind of like where uh, yeah, where no, my head's I, at. Especially with things like that or things like uh, sinks, which I I've I've never tried to get just because it's 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 extremely competitive. It's really saturated, um, and um, it is like winning the lottery. Like you could you could just be you can just throw your chance at it over and over again. I want to do it. Here's my name in the bucket. Please pull mine. Uh, and then uh, the next thing you know, Ford wants your fucking uh, some uh, indie sounding, hey, instrumental in a fucking commercial and they paid you hundreds of thousands of dollars for it, you know? Um, and I know a lot of musicians that do that, but it's never been something that I put my energy into ever. But I mean, no hate to anybody that does. That's, a, that's it's so lucrative. Like it's so, but it's also lucrative all at once and then nothing for a long time, you know? <laughs> right. It's, no, exactly. it's, so it's, yeah, it's, yeah, uh, it's, it's gambling to an extent. And especially when, when your time and your, and your resources are limited, it definitely makes sense to put your, your gumption and your grit towards more tangible results in the short well, and term. And I think sure. that's why we don't do, like, I know we have a lot of friends who do like sync camps. I think that yeah. we, we tend to sort of avoid those mm-hmm. and more just like focus on our projects, but also like the breadth of our projects, which is, all the random solo stuff we do, like all of our collaborations with people. Yeah, like and passively increasing our chances for sync and not instead of like while, by, while pursuing by, by increasing goals. By increasing the quantity of our output as yeah. opposed to literally just writing for sync. Yeah, right. Um, but, you know, I, I love the name of of the record, though, because it's, uh, yes, yeah, somewhere in the distance, somewhere in the mountains. That's where we were yesterday. <laughs> oh, yeah. You guys had like a 12-hour <laughs> drive, right? We just drove. Um, the drive there was terrible because really? uh there was a tow truck in the middle of the street in the and the snowstorm had come in we were i think in rifle colorado and i didn't i didn't because of the visibility i didn't know that the tro- tow truck was in the street i thought it was on the shoulder mm-hmm. and so the moment the moment i realized i tried to brake but the roads <laughs> oh, were icy oh no and there so, was a truck on the on the right and there was a truck on my right so i couldn't oh, my swerve God. to the wrong so i just Turned left into a ditch, and then we were in a ditch, no and then we were just in a ditch in in Colorado. Oh in God, Colorado, just died, uh, pretty much. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we were very lucky. There wasn't even like a like a nick on the car. Yeah, the car made oh, it down. And, right. and we, we did destroy a bush, though. We did destroy a bush. Um, uh, but and and we were also very lucky that it it was a tow truck. It was, it was a tow truck pulling we were another car. To avoid. It was a tow truck pulling another car out of the ditch that mm-hmm. we were swerving to avoid. So then there so, was immediately someone to pull us out of said <laughs> ditch, even though it was the person who got us into said ditch. And immediately. He had zero problems. Like he didn't even blink. Where I'm like, you know, we were kind of in here because it was your fault. He was like, yeah, that's cool. Let's that'll be two hundred and fifteen dollars. <laughs> oh like, whoa! He just <laughs> he was just straight to business right then. He was yeah. just like, yeah, yeah. He fucking he, did it he, on he, purpose at that point. That was that was that the, was the rest that of was the car ride. We, we genuinely and we had been. It, this was eleven hours into a twelve hour drive mm-hmm. or thirteen hour drive, so we were tired. But it doesn't even end there <laughs> because it was snowing, and my grandparents live kind of in the mountains. Oh God! Uh, our car got stuck. Like we just couldn't get up the rest of the mountain. Like just on a random street, about a mile and a half from where they live. Oh Jesus! So we just. Parked the car in the snow. In the snow, grabbed what we could carry. Grabbed what we and could just carry. Walked and then, in the snow for a mile and a <laughs> half. Walked in the snow for a mile and a half. <laughs> yeah, I would be like, "Miss me with that shit. I'll die here." 
<laughs> well, that, that we, was it was strongly considered as an option. We were strongly well here because because here was the thing. We were like, okay, well, we could risk carbon monoxide poisoning and freezing. Oh, and, that's and true. Freezing yeah, in the I car, guess there's that. Like by sleeping in the car, we can't call for any kind of help because there's no cell service up in the mountains. <laughs> we like can't knock on the neighbor's door because everybody from our position lived a mile and a half away because it was like a ranch. Oh my god! So we were like, there is one way to do it, and honestly, like. I was like, we could we could still die because there are like wolves and mountain lions. So <laughs> you get so let's three just, feet like, from the car and get attacked <laughs> by a mountain lion. Well, we we were we were approaching my grandparents' driveway and we saw a shadow and we were like convinced <laughs> it was a wolf. But it like it was it also really looked like a wolf. But also like it could have been Cthulhu. It was, like it broke our brain. <laughs> it, was a, it was a Lovecraftian At that experience. Point, you've been traveling night. for so long. I don't know what the fuck. Yeah, I we were delirious. It was like we were also just like <laughs> had road brain. Well, because we knew we we had to go forward enough to find out what it was. Yeah. Yeah. But it could also just kill us. But we knew that if we went back to the car, we would also potentially die of carbon monoxide poisoning or freezing. So we were like, okay. We must face the demon in front of us. We must figure out what it was. It was a garbage can. It was a garbage oh, can. Was it really? Yeah. Oh, thank God. It was a garbage can. Imagine but you anyway. die of carbon monoxide poisoning because of a garbage can. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like he he died how he lived, you know, tilting at windmills. But like, oh you know, uh, he died how he lived, fucking scared of things that didn't exist. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. He, he, he died how he lived, breathing bad air, I guess, because <laughs> we live in L.A., you know, You're whatever. Chocolate. He died how he lived, halfway up the mountain. Hey. The mountain. Hey, you know. His potential still intact. No, yeah. We, uh, tangentially, but like, yeah, I love the name of your record. because. Thank you. We we just uh, we just uh, came back from uh, from there. The, the drive back was a lot smoother. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Um. <laughs> the album was is uh, was something I've been wanting to do for a long time at that point, and uh, because my my most popular album, the one that flopped at first and then all of a sudden has millions of fucking streams years later, um, is called Sleep. And that that album, uh, the reason it's called Sleep is because it's half songwriting, half ambient music. So at a certain point mm-hmm. of the album, it just drops off into just being noise. And then That's it's awesome. that for the rest of the tracks. Um, so it was almost like Flat Sound has always been a songwriting, but also experimental noise soundscape project. So I thought, at least in 2012, I was 21, 22 years old. I, I was just like, wow, that'd be cool. It's like a split album with myself. You know, it's like, a, yeah. And uh, so I did that. And the idea was that people would listen to the album and I make it the best album that I could. But then at a certain point, it drops off. People could fall asleep to the album. Um mm. And it would be a nice album for them to actually fall asleep to. And uh, it, it did not take. I was just like, oh, they hate it and me. And that's valid and cool. <laughs> and I also, yeah, I agree with them. I hate me too. That, that sucks. Right. But uh, Was Spotify around in 2012? Like, was it, was it? Yes, because uh, Sleep was the first album that I actually put onto Spotify. Because so, I feel like, like that idea is almost ahead of its time. Like, I feel like that idea is geared towards... Like Spotify sort of now like, or something. This, this sort of Spotify now of like the sort of uh, quantity and experiential. Yeah. You know, the more qu- like quantity a record has, and more experiential stuff you have, where you can just play it and then fall asleep to it and whatnot, is rewarded. And you know, Drake puts out a forty-song record because you know, and some of them are thirty seconds because you just got to get that right. play and then call it. The stream. And then cl- yep. Yeah. And um, to do an all ambient music album, it's always like. You see the plays on sleep and the plays also drop off at a certain point. People love the first half of sleep and only some fans will tolerate the other half because, and I totally get it. It's, it's, it's not the same experience to listen to a song that's catchy and that hits right away um, as opposed to uh, something that's this drawn out soundscape. You know, I have an immense amount of love for both. I want to be a good writer. I want to create interesting 
sounding ambient music, you know? Mm. Um, and I get why one of those has a smaller audience. But to turn around and not do a flat sound LP for a long time and then to finally do one and say, hey, it's all ambient music um, felt <laughs> almost like a fuck you to my fans, you know? But I was still just like, what are you going to do? <laughs> um, but I think it's, I love the fans because they're usually a little bit older. They're usually like 25 and above who 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 are like, this is some of your best shit. It's, it's just incredible, you know? And I took the album seriously. It wasn't... It, something that I did quickly. It was, it was extremely thought out and it was like, you know, how do you tell a story without using words? You know, how do you manage to do something like that? And I'm extremely proud of it. That was a album too, that a lot of people reached out to me about a lot of, uh, artists that I never listened to or heard of, but you know, that are, uh, ambient music artists, um, solely. And that are just like, we, we heard the album and we think it's beautiful. And I was like, that's cool. Thank you. <laughs> because it felt like <laughs> a stamp really of cool. approval of just being like, cool. Someone within that genre was just like, this is gorgeous work. And I'm like, oh, thank you. It means a lot. It means a ton. Stopping the podcast to shout out one of our sponsors, The Truffleist. Noah, you like to cook. I do like to cook. You're actually very good at cooking. I'd say I'm decent. But I think that the thing about cooking that you have taught me is that flavor is everything. Truly. You got to bring in little flavors that you wouldn't expect. And one of my favorite flavors is the taste of truffles. A great flavor. But we are so lucky to have The Truffleist as a sponsor for Talking Lion. Founded by Jimmy Coons and based in Long Island City, Queens, The Truffleist creates artfully handcrafted truffle products of the highest quality and flavor. While their truffles are imported from the countrysides of Italy, France, and Spain, they proudly source many of their base ingredients locally from small farms and artisanal producers. They offer a variety of truffle products, from truffle oil and truffle butter, to truffle salami and honey, to even truffle hot sauce. I love truffle hot sauce. They've also recently launched cheese steaks by the Truffleist, so keep an eye out for pop-ups in your area. So bring the taste of truffle into your life. Go to truffleist.com, that's T-R-U-F-F-L-E-I-S-T.com, to place your first order. Now back to the show. People don't realize like writing a song is not that hard. Like writing a functional song, there's a lot of history around how to write a functional song. Right. A lot of information around mm -hmm. like how to write a functional song. Um, writing an, a compelling instrumental is it takes a lot of skill and a lot of talent. Mm -hmm. It's really, really challenging. It's not. Yeah, you're actually composing like a, something, and it's it's yeah, it's 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 hard. Yeah, it's. I think it's really impressive. You know, and I love I love your titles too. Like. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just reading throughout. through. I'm just reading through the. <laughs> I have it up on the screen right now, and reading through the the track list of somewhere in the distance. It's just like that alone is an experience. Like, like the how, titles alone how do tell you, the story. How do you? How did you come up with like some of the titles for? Like, what's your thought process for? Like, I love learning to warm cold hands. One extremely relatable because <laughs> this guy's uh, got bad circulation. I got bad circulation. You know. Yeah. No. Um. My my uh my song titles are always something that I really want to like. I really want to slip in there early and just be like, I want this to move people as well. I want this to be just as mm -hmm. thoughtful as when I'm working on the song and sometimes even more so because I'll sit there with a, with a song for days and days and just be like, I don't have the title yet. Like, I don't, but then once you, once you know it, once you actually figure it out, you know it immediately. You go, okay, that's, that's the thing. And um, sometimes it's something that just feels right based off of what's in the track, especially in like an ambient music track where you're really kind of getting a feel of the song and what story it's trying to tell. But uh, specifically with um, songs like A Warehouse on the River, that one was interesting because I was watching um, the show Gotham with my dad and there was a <laughs> line, there was a line in it, somebody using the words A Warehouse on the River. 
And once I hear it, once I hear something and I'm, I'm always taking things in my phone down, I'm always like, that was beautiful. That was unexpectedly beautiful. That was beautiful. Mm -hmm. And it'll just be like Mm -hmm. random, like shit posts I see online that I'm like, that (laughs) was gorgeous. That was gorgeous. There was this like, there was this bot on Twitter that gives you just like, uh, warnings about certain things. And like one of the warnings years ago was, uh, it was just the words, uh, none of this was your fault. And I, wow. I was just like, okay, uh, taking that down. And uh, it just resonated with me so much. So I'll, I'll hear things and just say, wow. And I think the exact line in Penguin was, I think it was like the line uh, in Penguin in uh, Gotham was, I like this fella, but we're talking about a warehouse on the river. And I was like, a warehouse on the river? Oh, holy shit. And then that night I went and recorded that uh, track and I was like, a warehouse on the river. There you go. Uh, learning to warm cold hands. Uh, that same day I was... Uh, talking to my therapist, I had a session with him and we were talking about this thing called biofeedback, um, which uh, in the vaguest uh, sense, it's using an exact measurement of something to then control something in your body that you thought would not be um, within your control, like the warmth of your hands or the beating of your heart, how fast your heart is. These are things that we've accepted. We have no control over there automated things in your body, um, but they use biofeedback to take an exact measurement of uh, how fast your heart is beating or how cold your hands are. And uh, the practice is to do little subconscious, very, very small things in your body to try and influence that in some way. And um, one of the uh, most common um, uses of biofeedback is uh, learning to warm your hands. The idea of that is uh, you become uh, more relaxed when your hands are warm. Cold hands wow. means you're stressed, you're anxious, but warm hands means you're 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 relaxed and you're comfortable. So what can you do in order to warm your hands? And it's this really, really difficult thing because you wear this little thing on your finger and you sit there and you go, I have to do something in order to warm these hands and it has to be up here. It has to be something <laughs> up here. It, it could just be how I breathe. It could be how I sit. But the more you practice it, you can actually learn to warm your own hands. And it's very strange because you're looking at this thing that says, okay, your hands are getting a little bit warmer, a little bit warmer, a little bit warmer. So that same day I learned about that, I created that instrumental and I was learning to warm cold hands. Boom. That's cool. awesome, and it's a twenty-one minute journey to to to, to actually get your right. your uh, your brain brain in order. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and also like because because you're making record and like records and like projects, how that how titles can can sort of interact with each other. Like mm-hmm. uh, uh, on sleep, the you know how to make a boy feel warm, you know how to make a man feel useless. Mm-hmm. Like having these sort of like um, interactions with the song titles themselves. Yeah, I think is, I, I, is really this and this cool. also goes back to like I think one of the things that really clicked into place and felt like this kind of explosive artistic moment for me when I discovered the framing mechanism of music for birds was I feel like do we've been doing the LA pop writing grind for a while mm-hmm. and I feel like that's fine. I love pop writing. I I do want. I'm personally on a quest to write the biggest, stupidest, you know, Dua Lipa dance song right, that right. has like four lyrics and, and gets a billion streams. Mm-hmm. Like, I like I, the, I, I'm fighting for there to be five lyrics and for that to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, I love that game and and I have I I don't have disdain for that process. But there is I do have an indie soul and I do just love Bonnie Vare especially. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's there is a lost or underappreciated art form of using your song titles 
as part of the artistic narrative or the artistic statement of right. the work mm-hmm. and that and that it doesn't have to be well the title of your song is the punchline right and exactly the punchline is the catchiest part right. and, and that's the part, part of the chorus that know that on repeats. the radio it's that's this the part title, of the chorus yeah. that repeats mm-hmm. so if someone hears it in a in a target or a walmart then they know what it is and i get that like that is very much part of of trying to get a you know to write the kind of music that can get a billion streams mm-hmm. and like i said i don't have disdain for that process but i think for my own soul something really clicked into place when i realized Oh, I I can. You don't have to do that, and that, that there's something really beautiful about using titles as part of the narrative language of your art. So now I'm going. I'm here, like doing mnemonics, like okay, well, so condors look like that, <laughs> and that reminds me of a sailboat. So right. the song is the the hook is sail on. For Condor? No, it's Pelican. Fuck! <laughs> Damn. But I, I, I think <laughs> I almost reverse I think, uh, engineered it and failed. <laughs> but I think I think there's something. I think I I appreciate that because it's like I you know I it allows you to have to have a different relationship with 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 those songs. No, so I, you're not you're I'm not listening just, to I'm them. Just, like, I'm just joking. Like oh yeah, like oh, that's that one's that one's the hook is because it's not about not, what I like about all the music for bird songs is that none of them are about even though they're all of them are written in the style that we've been writing over the last couple of years, you could, you could point, and in fact, a lot of them are written like old school, great American songbooks where it really is about a punchline or a title. But I think there's immense power in leaving that out and allowing the, the listener to form a relationship with, oh no, this record's just called Pelican. Mm-hmm. Like that, I love. I love the aesthetic of that. That makes right. me so happy. Right, yeah. I, I'm a huge fan of uh, these, these, these big mouthful album yeah. titles, you know, these really obnoxiously long ones. But then occasionally just be like sleep, and it's like okay, yeah. that's pretty open ended. And then hummingbird, oh, that's pretty open ended too. No, exactly. It's either one or the other, you know. Like it, like it has to be like obnoxiously long or one word or something like that. Because I was like, mm-hmm. it has more of an effect there if we could cram a lot into a little. Or how long can we get away with? I I love how uh, on uh, Spotify it's. Um, I stayed up until sunrise, but got to fall asleep at the sounds of birds singing, and then parentheses, and then more title. You know, <laughs> like it's just. <laughs> hey, well, yeah, it's. Yeah, yeah. It, I think it's indicative of like we listened to a lot of pop punk growing up, and mm-hmm. I loved that like you know Fallout Boy or say anything right, right. or whatever would have these really really long titles that you know were like not really related to the song, but sort of related to the song. Yeah, to, so I didn't say anything more than than. Um, but like, I mean, one of my Fallout favorite Boy, song yeah. titles of all time is "Panic at the Disco's First Record. There's a good reason these tables are numbered, honey. You just haven't figured it out. Right, yet. right, right. Like, that's <laughs> hilarious as a song title. Mm-hmm. Like that's just that's unhinged. <laughs> I write a lot of poetry, and so I think I, I use that as like mm. a way of like re- like sort of moving away. Mostly because I have such a bad uh, memory for song titles to begin with mm. that if I didn't name the songs after the thing <laughs> that is in the chorus I don't think I'd be able to find the file right oh yeah no for sure <laughs> and, and then like as well as that my file management is so poor as well so the, so <laughs> the, that makes it I, I'll like lose stuff I have people like uh, I love flat sound fans so much I just cannot say that enough because like they'll they'll hold my project together for me if a person is like <laughs> if a person in the discord or something is just like Mitch, I need this one file. I'm like, I don't have it. Jake does, though. He's the fucking archivist. Um, <laughs> because that. anything so that funny. I've ever done, I know that he has or something like that. You know, like well, I, it, it's it's funny because I'm like, I'm like, oh, do you remember this song? And you're like, I need you to sing it. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I, I, it's 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 like because I well, first of all, I have I have a sock in my brain, but that, uh, <laughs> but I also like I've written hundreds and hundreds of songs. Like I've just written so many songs under the name Flat Sound, and I I've not I've not stopped. You know, so I'm always like. Once it clicks for me, I was like, right, the Fostex MR8 is what I recorded that on. And I used the Blue Spark probably because it was 2012. Yeah, the Blue Spark in this part of my house at my old place. But if someone was just to like 
if I have my acoustic guitar and I'm on Discord or something and they're like, can you play this? And I was like, if you give me a week, <laughs> I have to learn it again because <laughs> right. I wrote it so quickly. I worked on it and then I never, and then I moved on to the next four songs I wrote that month, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Because especially at that point in my life, it was just, it was just nuts. But yeah, Flat Sound fans hold that shit together. They hold it down. Like it's, it's, <laughs> it's so nice. And going way back, I do think age has a lot to do with that because I, I love my older listeners. I'm now 30 years old. So anytime we get someone new in the Discord and they're like, I'm 26, me and Billy are always like, okay, you are our friend now and we're going to play video <laughs> games together because there are sometimes, we, we, there's like an age limit there, but they're still just like, uh, I just have realistically more in common with a 26-year-old than a 19-year-old. Especially people who've Case been point. listening to like Flat Sound since they were 11 or 12. I made a joke about that earlier, being like, oh, that's gross to me. It's the coolest thing in the world to me, like that you found it right. at such a formative age. I was in fifth grade when I started listening to ICP, you know, like I was in, right. and I was, shouldn't have been listening to the Insane Clown Posse. <laughs> um, so yeah, being, being a super young, being like 12 years old and you first discover sleep and it resonated with you. And then you can, you can just like talk to me now and stuff. I, I think that that's so cool. That's just so, so, so neat. Pause in the podcast to remind you that voting is now open for the People's Choice Podcast Awards nominations. You can help us get nominated for an award. Nomination voting is open until July 31st, so go to podcastawards.com to vote for Talking Lion in the music category. We appreciate your support, and we look forward to growing this podcast together. Now back to the show. I would love your guys' opinion. I would really, really love your guys' opinion. As you know, uh, it's a very, it's a very common take to have online, uh, you know, to be a musician and to uh, complain about Spotify as a platform and to say that they don't uh, pay artists and that it's an unfair platform. Where do you two stand on that? Being uh, mm. being like your background, uh, two LA boys, you're chasing the music thing. How do you feel about Spotify? I think that one of two things can can be true. I think Spotify should pay, you know, what has sort of been agreed upon and there's the music modernization act so that is possibly increasing mm-hmm. but that like that that spotify sticks to a rate and stands by their word that it, the value they bring is this democratizing of, of music where anybody can find a playlist or find an artist and use their discovery tools and all that stuff to really give a career to an artist and in a lot of ways you know we all kind of see royalties and stuff because of that and i think that that in in its theory is cool. Mm-hmm. On the other side, you know, I think to, to, that if a label is like, we are the gatekeepers, if you want any kind of real monetary success, uh, and we are going to do the, do it this way and through record sales, and we're going to, you know, help fund your tour and all that stuff, then labels be doing what labels do. And that's mm-hmm. for some people and not for other people and wonderful. I think the problem is that, that these, they're now way too close I think that now, like New Music Friday, is mainly label stuff. I think mm-hmm. labels have way too much influence over Spotify, mm-hmm. and that that at the end of the day takes a w- away from the value that they're using to defend their pricing. Right. I think, mm. and, and in a lot of ways too, because labels take a certain cut 
They um, take a cut. They take a they take certain a, cut. They take a cut. An indie label, if you're lucky, if it's an indie indie label, they're going to take fifty percent. If you're like if you're signing to a major or anything close, they're going to take it all. Yeah. Well, and so and so that's the thing is like if you're not going to have a homogenous system or like a dem- democratic system, and the the prevailing system is also going to take the cut that they do for this to be a survivable world for artists, the the, the price needs to go up. So I think that in a lot of ways they sort of cornered themselves by taking these these label deals and these label partnerships into it cornered they cornered themselves into having to raise their price for the fairness of artists mm-hmm. whereas I, I think in a lot of ways we wouldn't be having this conversation if we felt like it was if it was a democratic system mm-hmm. or if we felt like there was value in how they were viewing our music right that's my uh my my thought and on I think it. I think not even I, I don't even disagree with anything I think, I think just piggybacking off of that, my perspective is we're, we're having, we as people in the weeds inside the baseball ring or whatever the expression is that I'm making up right now, um, <laughs> inside the baseball ring, we're able to have this conversation about the nuances of like, oh yeah, the, this, this this dance between Spotify and labels and, and what they're able to pay. And I think what you're referring to is the kind of blanket layman's take of like, isn't it funny that you only get paid six cents? And whenever I see that, as much as I, I make that joke and, and I understand that joke, there's also something about it that rubs me the wrong way because I think it is very complicated and very nuanced. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I think by and large, okay, there's a broader philosophical question of like, do we want more money as artists? Of course, we all want more money as artists, but I think that Spotify in general is not evil. Like it's not like a dystopian company trying to like suck. Like it, mm-hmm. it's the fact that they're paying what they're paying. I think often gets characterized as this kind of cartoon villain or like just like a, a kind of one like sort of like get off my lawn. Like all oh, the music industry is dying slash just general like artists aren't valued in the society, which mm-hmm. I think there's merit to. But I also think that sometimes it's a little reductive to say the one that that Spotify's fault or that their price point is is indicative of like the death of the music industry. But I, but I think that the, the part of that comes from a level of misinformation. Like yeah, I, exactly. But, but I, I think that that's partially their fault. Mm. Like I think that because they're not coming out and saying, well, this is how much we give per stream because, oh, we kind of make it up as we go along. Right. And they're based on various deals and various laws that yeah. you know date back to the 70s. And we will not tell you because of various NDAs or just because it doesn't behoove us for you to know that you're making less than somebody else or yeah. one one person on the label is making less than another person on the label. Yeah, so, that's the- so, so there's a lot of uh, misinformation. And what that leads to is a vacuum for musicians to say, oh, well, well we've averaged out this much or we have our own anecdotal royalty statements to say mm-hmm. how much one can make, but we don't know. And in the absence of transparency, it'll yeah. always make the person who's withholding the information look evil. Right. But also, it allows these things to continue to happen. For example, people don't know that podcasters don't get royalties. Not, right. They just not assume that not like a zero. If mm-hmm. our, if this podcast episode gets a hundred thousand listeners who listen from minute one to minute, you know, uh, 120. Right. We'd get nothing. We will see, we will get nothing. Nothing from But that. also, here's, and here's the that. funny thing about that is if they, if Spotify were to pay podcasters, that would be money that they're not paying artists. That, that right, would exactly. be money that they're not paying artists. Exactly. Like and, it's, it was, and, just, and, on, and on top of that, if, if people knew that, then, you know, if that information was public, then you would see a bunch of podcasters being like, oh, we could ask for that? Exactly. Oh, that's something exactly. that we could, 
like and, or, and or like why are, yeah the the uh you know but that's not unique to spotify at all that's podcasting platforms in general that's apple music doesn't pay podcasters either it's, no, it's I, and yeah and, and what we're talking about is like we're talking about spotify directly but mm-hmm. but there isn't any streaming platform that will that there's there isn't currently a, a podcasting platform that does pay royalties because royalties in podcasting doesn't exist yet right uh, yeah, your like best actual, guess is just like putting it up on youtube and then you're just getting youtube royalties for it you yeah know? you know so so that that doesn't that doesn't exist and uh but but yeah more or less the the uh, question mark around how much is a stream worth is commonplace amongst all streaming platforms. Like Tidal isn't coming out and saying we're giving a dollar per stream. Right. right. Like nobody's coming out and saying this is how much we give mm-hmm. to everybody. Right. Yeah. Because it doesn't it doesn't help them. It doesn't behoove them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But isn't that crazy? Yeah, no, it's, it's, but it, it, those are all things because I, I should go out and just say I'm extremely pro Spotify. I, I think that we, um, we are too. Yeah. We, we super support yeah. it. Yeah. As, as streaming platforms go, they, they are, they, I mean, Spotify changed the music industry. Spotify, yeah, Spotify yeah, changed exactly. it for the better for indie musicians. And uh, to me, it's, it's a very, it's, it's an extremely, extremely bad take to uh, pit all the blame on Spotify for uh, a system that is still pretty new and not exactly working. All these things that people are blaming Spotify for apply to Apple Music. Apply yeah, to right. you know these other platforms. Apply to uh you know, but but I I I see these indie labels all the time. So you know smaller labels, DIY labels, and they're discouraging their artists from even using Spotify. Discouraging their artists from putting their music on Spotify because they think that Bandcamp is the way to make a living, and it's not. It's just it's just it's just not. Getting passive income from streaming is such a great revenue it's so it's so it's good amazing, yeah. and they they pay like look, look look the music industry has been fucked for a long time it's not yeah. like it was yeah. completely fair and then spotify made it unfair <laughs> no it's exactly. so it's that, been that, yeah. it sucks since the beginning of time and spotify is a great opportunity for a lot of people that wouldn't have got that otherwise you know exactly labels have always been the issue labels have been the yeah. issue since the beginning of time poor contracts has been the issue the misinformation that you talked about before i think is such a big part of it because what i want to encourage artists to do is Keep chasing these things like Spotify because I make X amount of money per month. I can't even believe that. Like, I can't yeah. believe how much money that I'm making because I have my master's and I never signed to a label yeah. and I and I did all that stuff and I've written all these songs. Um, and it's a ridiculous amount of money. Granted, I'm not keeping any of it right now because it all goes to my IRS debt. But uh, <laughs> well, we we thought that we were gonna like get evicted in Boston, mm-hmm. and then our first major Spotify check came in, and Let's we're like, go. oh, and it Let's, made the difference. Amazing. It made the difference. Amazing, you know? and th- that's like. Look, look, like you think they don't pay enough per stream compared to who, though? Compared to what? Compared right. to yeah. Apple Music, there's not that much of a difference. And, and and then also Spotify pays twice as good as what YouTube offers people for for uh, plays. Right. And if we look, if we look at content creators that are, uh, you know, like they make vlogs and stuff and they buy these fucking mansions off of their YouTube channel with that they have, they, yeah. they get these things. But we consume vlogs in a different way that people consume music. I'm saying it's pretty, compared to becoming a YouTuber, compared to all that stuff, if we look at YouTubers and they say, I'm not making enough money, people look at YouTubers and say, well, you have to grind more, bud. Like you have to, you have to do more in order to succeed in this thing and play the game. But indie mm-hmm. musicians will always complain, Spotify isn't paying me a living wage, even though I got a whopping total of 10,000 streams this year. I would never <laughs> yeah. shit on an art. I would never shit on an artist for the amount of streams that they get. I celebrate every victory. Get 100 streams that year. That's dope. But yeah. it's nowhere near what you would need to realistically make a living off of your stuff. It's absolutely no money because it's... Because it's, they're like, if it was album sales or if it was iTunes, whatever, I'm like, no, but listen, man, like if you... It's a different you, system. If, if you're getting 100 streams or, or 1,000 streams, that doesn't mean that you would get 100 
Album record sales, sales or a thousand record yeah. sales, you know, and and that you're you're making more or less what it is. You get you at least you get to see the penny, like yeah. at, like at least you know. Yeah, exactly. Before it used to be that if you couldn't sell a ten dollar record, then you wouldn't be able to see a penny of that. At least now, you know, you can't sell a ten dollar record, but you're seeing every fraction of it you could sell. I do think the reason why Spotify gets all the flack um, is because if you if you think about the big three being Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, mm-hmm. they're the only one that is independently music streaming. Right. And what I kind of mean by that is like. Apple doesn't necessarily have a pressure to fix their UI or change any kind of like level of their system because past the ability to even compete with because Apple is busy selling iPhones, iPhones and yep. doing all the whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, Amazon doesn't have an incentive to to again other than just to be at the table. Don't don't have any uh, incentive to sort of make any kind of adjustments of because no. because it's Amazon. Spotify is only if Spotify. They made, yeah, it's, it's just only Spotify. Streaming. And it, and if they made any kind of adjustments, it would then change uh, the culture at the table. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. I would so I would love and I'm going to love inevitably when it happens, when they start to pay artists more. I'm, of course, I'm going to love that. I would love some more some more money, you know, but it's not going to be nearly as much as what people <laughs> are expecting because uh, the artists I see complaining about it the most I'm not sure if you've uh, heard about this, but there are musicians who are like forming a union. Uh, They're like unionizing against, which again, I mean, it it makes absolutely no sense because you're not employed by Spotify at all. So they can, it's for absolutely nothing. And their number one demand is, you know, how much roughly a stream is. They want to bump that up to one cent per stream. Yeah, I mean, that would be be impossible. It would be absolutely impossible. impossible. Of course, it would be completely impossible. Also, I would be like, a multimillionaire like what and i don't deserve yeah. that it doesn't it doesn't make any fucking sense like look look if if i can make as much money as i do from spotify per month but also i walk through a grocery store and i'm just like hey i'm mitch from flat sound does anyone give a fuck and everyone's like no who the fuck are you <laughs> that's amazing you can be like one sixth as relevant as flat sound and still pay your rent i know that artists should strive to get at least there yeah. In order well, to pay your rent that, off 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 of your work, streaming is a is a blessing. Like because what what did we have before Spotify? I didn't get paid for MySpace streams, for Tumblr streams, for Bandcamp right. streams, for for fucking Scrabbles or whatever they were called. Like I didn't get paid right. for any of those. <laughs> right. But, but I want to just sort of shift gears for a second before we get to the question round, um, because you have a podcast, I do. and uh, and and more than that, it's an advice podcast. Mm-hmm. Now we give some advice about like how to you know handle the music industry, whatever here. But like, uh, I, I'm curious. I have two sort of questions in that space. The first is, have you given a piece of advice where that person has come back to you, and it's made a, a real impact, positive or negative? But I, you know, positive is probably a nicer story. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll get like follow up emails all the time from from people who are just like, here's like the like continuation of my story. Normally, it's like relationship advice, you know. If they're just like, yeah. should I do this? How do I navigate this? I had a first date with this person, and we'll give we'll give advice that's hopefully not too shitty, you know. <laughs> and uh, that person will always come back and just be like, here's an update. Like a month later, I went on the second date. It went really good. Or you know what? Uh, mm. We actually broke up before you, we uh, you even responded to the question. So <laughs> it was completely not for me at all. But thanks for answering anyway. <laughs> but the advice that people uh, don't take usually is regarding music, I guess, because it's like a slower burning, you know, it's like it's our advice is to continue making art for a long time and to do it passionately. 
So nothing with that, except for just a lot of people saying this inspired me to do that. Who knows if it will work? We'll wait a few years, you know, but (laughs) a lot of relationship advice from people who are like, I did this and it worked in my favor. We're having our third date, something like that. We're like, that's cool. That's That's, awesome. That's really sweet. sweet. Yeah. We, you know, we sometimes like hear that, like oftentimes the people who listen to this are more like already in the industry. Mm -hmm. But I think that uh, for like people who are in the weeds of it to realize that everybody's literally experiencing the same thing is like. You know, has been helpful to to some folks, right? My 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 sort of other question is, what's the strangest question that you've gotten on, from somebody, and can we answer that question on all the space? Oh on my the god, space. the strangest question on all the space is probably it's it'd be like every episode. There's just a question that someone who's just like not even strange, but just like funny. There's 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 a whole bunch of people who are like, uh, okay, how about this for an example? Because it just completely popped into my head, uh. Somebody was like, I was um, I was showering with my girlfriend and as a joke, I pissed on her foot because I thought it'd be funny. But she had like shampoo in her in her hair and she, she had her eyes closed. So I started peeing on her foot and she thought that it was a spider. So she ended up uh, kicking her foot and breaking her toes. Do I tell her there was no spider <laughs> or <laughs> and that my it was gosh. just my piss? Um, wow. I think we should answer that, Noah. And then I think we should find out how you answered that. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, see if I remembered how we answered it because we're always just like, bullshit answer. And then we move on to the next thing. I think at the end of the day, honesty is probably the best. So especially because you shouldn't pee on somebody, even if you're in a relationship with them, you shouldn't pee on somebody without their consent. That's, so, a, that's fair. That's- so I think that the best thing to do is to say, Listen, I know you thought it was a spider, but it's actually, it was me peeing. I, I understand that it led to some terrible consequences, but I will also do whatever I can to make it right. So this, you know, for as long as your foot is broken, I will, you don't, you don't need to use your foot. I will be your feet. Uh, please don't leave me. Oh my God. Are you, wow, wow, wow. Do you, are you on the same page, Noah? I would be inclined to agree. I think, I think. I think honesty is a good policy. And pee consent. And pee consent is important. Uh Of course. It's the number one most important thing. I wouldn't go, I wouldn't know if I'd go that far. Number one, because pee. Okay, God. Um, (laughs) I I think, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't don't think I have an, an, like, I I could could be edgy and say, no, lie about it. Let her, let her believe that it was the spider. Mm -hmm. But like, I don't think that it aligns with my morals. I think at the end of the day, the thing, the, the thing that is interesting to me about this, I think it's an interesting litmus test of, if you can be honest with someone, I think, you know, people have different personalities. Obviously, that's kind of it's kind of a it's, it's a very hilarious and tricky thing. But I think for me personally, if I were first of all, I wouldn't be in this position. I wouldn't do this. Yeah, I would but, not be on somebody's foot. I would not be on someone's foot. Yeah. But if I were to find myself in this position, judgment free zone. It's a judgment free zone. If I were to find myself in this position, whatever, it's a heat of the moment thing. Um, <laughs> uh, I think. The ability to be honest with with my partner about that would be a very important indicator as to whether or not I'm with the right person. Because I think the right person for me would find that fucking hilarious. Of course, yeah, I think, of course. I think, I think, yeah. I think, I think if if I felt the need to lie about that, I think that would be an indicator that I'm with the wrong person. And I think if I was able to be open, and it would be, I think with the right person, that would become a hilarious inside joke that you talk about mm-hmm. for years. Yeah, that's my perspective. I, I, on I, it. I, yeah, I think, I think, I think, I, I agree with that. <laughs> I don't pee in the shower even when there's nobody there. No, so, uh, this same, so far, same. Yeah. So I just, it's, I just don't want to science. I right just, here. yeah, it's it's a personal thing. Um, <laughs> so how would you how would you how would you and Billy answer that? I would have to think back. I mean, we we on the show we always give just like bullshit answers, and then we'll give like a serious answer at the end or something. We'll we'll, yeah. we'll just like use that to riff for like however long you know. So That's I fun. you know if if I were to answer it on the show, 
again, I don't know if this is what we said or something. We would probably just say something like fucking uh, yeah, a lie. Just just lie. And then like <laughs> the next time you're taking a shower, uh, just like do it again Good and be like, oh, Steve, oh shit, honey, it's back or something, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but then at the end of it, uh, would, would just be like, okay, but be honest with your partner, obviously, you know, you have right. to, um, tell them, I hope you've told them by now. Uh, and, uh, they'll probably find it funny. They'll probably find it funny. And it's just, uh, it's kind of, that's a funny reason to feel guilt in my opinion. Just yeah. like, shit, I, I broke my partner's foot in the funniest way possible, you know? <laughs> wow. Um, my, my, I think my bullshit answer would be, uh, raise the stakes and poop next time. And see there if we she go. Yeah. She's yeah. Like, oh my God. I, I think maybe we might've said that. I think you just unlocked a memory about that episode. Maybe we said that. I don't know. Who knows? Um, so I, I know this has been a, a bit on the longer side, but are you That's ready for when you put two podcasters together? Two, yeah, mm-hmm. honestly. Of course. No, I, yeah. I was on a Juggalo podcast not that long ago and uh, the, episode, <laughs> the episode ran for four hours. So we, oh we were God. just yeah. Yeah. the whole time about Juggalo we, shit. We really don't like put a limit on, like I, I tend to edit these down just a little bit, but like, I, you know, at the end of the day, the more open these conversations could be, the more like, you know, sometimes it takes us 15 minutes to get to the the most meat and potatoes part of it. Yeah. I'd rather just let it rock. Right. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. there's also something you said that I think these kinds of conversations are kind of like, I don't think that the person kind of person who would be interested in a conversation like this would probably be interested in all the kind of areas we've gone into. I don't think that there's like a, ma- you know, like that someone's going to be like listening. Oh, this is, a, this is two hours. So we're not yeah, going like exactly. to someone's gonna, someone's exactly. get part of way. And so it's like, you have lost my interest. Like if someone, yeah. I think if so, the kind of person who's going to be invested in, in the journey that we've went on conversationally, I think would, it's kind of in for a penny and for a pound. So for, sure. for the 11 of you who stuck around, exactly. thank you so much. Exactly. Yeah, no, I, um, at the end of the four hour juggalo podcast I was on, I was like, if there are any flat sound fans listening th- at this point, thank you so fucking much. And a lot of them were just like, I made it all the way through. And I was like, I don't know how you're not even a juggalo. Like that's the, <laughs> how did you listen to us talk for that long? But yeah, I don't know. Um, Podcasts are uh, comforting, and uh, I'm sure people would just like to listen to it in chunks. A little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit there. Yeah, exactly. While they're uh, completing merch orders and not streaming it. There you go. Yeah, perfect. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So, Mitch, Mr. Flat Sound, are you ready for the question round? The question round. First question, what is your phone background? Ooh, okay. Um, it is a, I wish it were something cute, like it was still a picture of Billy or something like that. It's a, I want to see if I could just show it to you just so I can describe it. It's just this like abstract color uh, thing there. It's not loading. There you go. Oh, that's um, cool. Interesting. And I actually bought it. I bought the phone background from an artist on Etsy. I've never like purchased a phone background before, but I was like, I feel like spending money and giving it to an artist. Let's see what, let's see. Yeah, uh, somebody awesome. made this for their phone. And I was like, oh, that's adorable. I've been rocking that for like uh, the past month or so, probably. Cute. That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> uh, do you have a non-musical hobby? Gosh. Um, other than, I mean, are video games a hobby? Video games yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, take up I a big that... uh, thing in my, in, in my brain. Um, Non-musical, non-audio, non-anything like that. I really enjoy playing hacky sack. Oh, nice. Hacky sack is hacky sack. I'm quite good at it. I could knock that thing around like crazy. Yeah, I can only really do like a single uh, uh, hack. That's the unit of uh, hacky sack (laughs) measurement, right? Yeah, one hack. A single hack. (laughs) Right. Is there a skill that you would like to have? I'd like to know other languages. I would like to become better at coding. Mm. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Which is also a language. Yeah, there you go. I want to learn many different languages. Yeah. If I were to grade 
uh, my ability to code. Oh no! Right now, I would give myself a, a C plus plus. Oh, there we go. Okay, I would give myself a Python, which is not a good unit of grade. No, but I think I just want a Python. No, it's close to failing actually, but it just sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Python mm-hmm. is a really bad grade. But if my ability to code was a pitch, it'd be C sharp. Oh god. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. I got to think of some coding software. Some things would be like, I'm as smart as. If you my guys. ability to code was a cup of coffee. It okay. There we go. Have a script. There we go. At least yeah, I caught yeah, that yeah. one before it was coming. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, if my ability to code was a series of letters, it would be HTML. Whoa. <laughs> God damn. I, I can't even, I don't even know what to do with this. Uh, yeah. You know, you know, HTML is actually short for uh, help teach my language. Whoa. That, your brain works on, you're just, you're just on X Games mode over there. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> it, like you two are connected by the ear right now because they can't see that, but it's one earbud <laughs> connected to the both of you and it feels like they're almost just like one conjoined twin that hate each other (laughs) that that, that tends to be the case well i'm sure you know uh again you know podcasting chemistry is a world world unto itself you know we've been we've been riffing with each other for six years Uh yeah so i feel like that just uh (laughs) comes out in the wash this is the most important question on the podcast though are you ready for it i'm ready stretching it's the most important let's go Uh, i think we should try another ping pong ready okay would you be a pirate Would I be a pirate? Um, no, I would never survive. There we go. I'm, I'm, I'm weak. I'm small. I would I would get like, I'd get scurvy like right away. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to be a space pirate. There we go. Ooh, that is pretty cool. Space scurvy though, you don't want to get no, it. Yo, no, no. you definitely don't want space That's the worst scurvy. You, 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 think, you think the lack of vitamin C is bad on the sea? Yeah, Imagine there's no way that you're going to get yeah. enough when it's just you and the fucking moon. There's no way. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, you got to worry about vitamin D too when you're up in space. Oh God, where's you don't really see the sun. Exactly. There we go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you thought I was gonna make a pun. Oh man, not not today, not today, Captain. Wow. <laughs> My brain's a black hole. I don't know. Uh, do you have a ta- do you have any tattoos? And if so, what was your first? I have absolutely no tattoos on my body. That's awesome. None would at you, all. If, if you were to have one, what would it be? Uh, I wanted a lot when I was uh, younger. I've never, I didn't get into this at all on the show just because it's a story that's been told a thousand times. And it's like, yeah, if it comes up naturally, then uh, then uh, sure. But uh, from when I was 18 for 10 solid years, I was uh, I, I was aggressively agoraphobic. And uh, oh. meaning I didn't leave the house. Uh, the reason that I reference like my therapist, blah, 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 it's the same therapist I've had for the last seven years. Because I, I, I completely, I'm a recovering agoraphobe, you know, like it it was, it was a 10 year span of me. When I say I didn't leave the house, I mean, I didn't just not like to leave the house. I didn't see the inside of a grocery store. I didn't, I didn't go anywhere. I didn't do anything. That's how a flat sound built up its thing. You know, I spent all that time writing. I've written hundreds of songs because I really wasn't doing much else. It was battling mental illness. Uh, while also doing flat sound when I could, while also seeking help, while not getting that help, while and then just staying there for a long time. I'm so much better than I was. I still have a lot of work to do, but Billy's helped me so much. My therapist has helped me so much. Um, and I'm doing better now than I ever have. Um, but because of that, when I was the age where I would have just been covered in tattoos, <laughs> I was at home. You know, I couldn't, I didn't have access to it. And then I feel like I, I missed that gap where I, I got a lot of like regrettable tattoos because if not for that, I'd, I'd have, I, I, I would just have so many. And I think that was, that's one of the silver linings too, that I'm just kind of like, 
I would have hated that tattoo at this age. Like I would have completely, <laughs> that would have sucked if I, that was such a dumb idea I had when I was 18. Like that was, that was, I'm so glad I didn't do that. What was it? What was the idea? Um, I had a ton of like, I think I just wanted a lot of just like minimal, just like big pieces on me. A lot of just like, uh, a lot of just like blackout work or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm just like, why the fuck would I do that? Like I would, I'm, I'm the exact type of person who would absolutely hate that today, you know? But I'm, <laughs> I'm also like a completely different person from 18 or a teenager then being 18 and then 10 years later into the agoraphobia just two vastly different people one one liked partying and drinking and going out and the other one is now just i'm so used to being a homebody that i'm I'm just kind of like i think i'm i think i'm okay i would just want to settle down you know i'd be the the thing is i I haven't i don't have any tattoos either but i would be the one to ask for a handwritten lyric so Uh i've always been like okay i know that i need to like know for sure which one it is before I like reach out to an artist or uh-huh. like whatever about it. Cause it's obviously, you know, a very strange kind of request though. We love it. You know, when we get it every once in a while, you know, for the right, for the right people. Um, I have two questions about the agoraphobia, yeah. if you don't mind. Yeah, no, um, I'm, I, I've spoken about it like so much in my life. It doesn't make me uncomfortable or anything. Uh, the first is, was there something when you were 18 that like triggered it or was it something that kind of like came up like over time. And then uh, my second question is, has being in lockdown in, you know, uh, through like COVID and Mm. all that been helpful because it's like, oh, now everybody's kind of experiencing what I've gone through or has it, has it been uh, an extra challenge to your like recovery on Mm -hmm. that side? I always like to say that I was, I was agoraphobic for years before it confined me to my home. You know, I, I, I had a lot of agoraphobic tendencies, a lot of avoidance, you know, a lot of, uh, Mm. Because I have a panic disorder. That's uh, my my official condition is PDA. It's a uh, panic disorder and agoraphobia. Um, mm. And um, those uh, having the two of them, it's like uh, you know the conditions are different sides of the same coin. You know, um, so I had the panic disorder and I had the agoraphobic tendencies, but it didn't actually confine me to my home until I was about eighteen years old. And that happened kind of all at once. It wasn't one thing. It was always the avoidance and. It kind of, I saw it coming for a long time and then it just hit me like a fucking train. All at once, I woke up one day and it just, uh, it was like, there was just, it was almost like a ringing in my head that wouldn't stop, you know? And I was just like, I don't know what's happening. You know, I I have no idea what this is and was confused with it for the first few months, learned kind of what it was and always thought, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. And then the first year hits, the second year hits, the third year hits, and you're just like, what the fuck happened to my life? You know, like what, what is this? And it got bad, bad. Um, and then uh, started, uh, you know, that's sort of, I, I I appreciate Flat Sound so much. I appreciate the listeners so much because like there was, there were many years of that project existing where I couldn't even afford groceries. So affording therapy was completely out of the question. But mm-hmm. since I started going to therapy, I pay without insurance. I talk to my therapist. I, you know, we, and, and um, I'm using Flat Sound money to do it. You know, Flat Sound helped me get my life back when I, when I had nothing, when I didn't have food, when I didn't have a, I, I, I used a flat sum money to take care of my dad, you know, like it, it, it gave me everything, but no, it, is, is your dad okay? Uh, my dad passed away a year ago. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. What, 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 what happened? Uh, he had a COPD for years and years and, oh, wow. uh, right before the pandemic, um, uh, some months before it was, um, November, 2019, uh, he passed pretty unexpectedly and, uh, he was living with me forever. I took care of him from when, from the moment I could, I was taking care of him, which is not to say that he, he, he was a, um, he was like confined to a wheelchair and he was super old. He, he rocked 
my whole childhood. He was the strongest fucking person. Even in his, in his fucking 70s, he was outside gardening and lifting heavy things and stuff like that. I'm like, bro, <laughs> you need to slow down. You have a lung condition, you know? <laughs> um, but uh, that's my proudest achievement in Flat Sound. It's not the tattoos. It's not the, it's not, it's not anything like that. It was taking care of dad using Flat Sound money. I, uh, I used to give him a thousand dollars. I would give him a thousand dollars for his birthday every year. Boom. You know, um, and that started because one year I didn't know what to get him. And I was like, just starting to do good with flat sound, you know, like those paychecks a month started to look pretty good. And, um, the, he was like, I don't want anything. I don't want anything. Cause that's just who, who he was. It's also who he raised me to be too. I'm like, ah, no, I don't want gifts. I don't want gifts at all. <laughs> um, but I was like, okay, how about, um, whatever my, this was iTunes at the time. Cause that was the thing that was actually paying me the most money. Um, whatever my iTunes check is this month, you could just have it. And he's like, yeah, okay. And he's expecting it to be like, you know, like a hundred bucks or something like that. And right. and I got it and it was like a thousand dollars. It was the first time I'd made a thousand bucks that month. And I was like, this <laughs> rules. And I sent it to him and he flipped. Like he completely flipped. He's like, no, 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 no. And I was like, use it, use it, whatever. So yeah, he passed away um, a year, a year and some change ago. And that was, it's very, very easy for me to say it was the worst thing that's ever happened to me. You know, he was, he, you know, that guitar in the background right there, he gave to me, I started flat sound because he gave me that guitar when I was 16 years old and I turned that into a fucking music career that took care of him in his retirement years. That's the, I'll never get more proud than that. That's the peak, you know? <laughs> well, that's yeah, the peak proudness. We all, we all imagine, you know, that the, that the this creative thing is gonna gonna save us. But like, you've, you've had this opportunity to have it literally save you and literally like have an impact mm -hmm. in a in a clear way. I think I think that's really really special. But it also rolls. like it rolls. I I feel you, man. Like I I I hope I hope you're doing all right with with all with all of that. And and I'm really impressed with you. Like I think that you thank you, man. Uh, the fact thank that you so that you've you carry yourself in a way where it's like like you don't ignore the stuff that's gone around, right? That's gone on around you, but it hasn't been like a thing that's brought you down or like defined you. Like it's really, right. it's really um, inspiring, I, I think. And yeah. I just, yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I think that these things that do happen, they're, they're horrible. First of all, um, you know, I swing back and forth between saying like, you know, it's just life experience and, uh, and I still love my life. Like I love, I love my life. I love everything about my life. And that's probably due to the years and years of therapy because I used to wake up in the middle of the night and just have these like night terrors and would just freak out and just start, I would, I would, I'd be like, I can't believe I'm agoraphobic. I can't believe my whole life. Like it feels like I died. It feels like my life ended years ago and I can't fucking, I can't even do what fucking babe, what happened to my brain. And I get so angry about it and it would just be the first thought. And I just start punching shit and just feeling like this is not my life. Like this is, this didn't happen to me. And through years of therapy, I, I wouldn't trade the agoraphobia for anything. Are you kidding me? My job rules. My relationship with people <laughs> rules. Uh, being confined to your home, it gives you this, this, better understanding of how to how to how to navigate relationships all the relationships that mm. i were in started with this deep sense this really steady foundation of communication you know you have to be able to talk to somebody while they're not there and really get a good sense of who they are before you invite them into your life it was a very personal thing you know for a person to come into my life um and i've had beautiful relationships as a result i had a great relationship with my dad that i kind of go back and forth because i don't look at his death and say well that that was actually good in the end it's like no that's that was only bad that sucked right um right. but it was just it's 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 just a tragedy it's a it's a fucking car accident you know it's a it's a it's something that happens that is unfair and uh you can only be grateful for what you did before that time 
and uh, and then you spend a whole year and you just cry and cry and cry and um, try and just remember like his guitar, all the shit that he taught me. I have in my living room a uh, in the coffee table. It's like this uh, display, kind of like a um, what are they called? Like a like a shadow box display as a coffee table, so you can put you know shit inside of me. And it's the first uh, Fostex uh, four track recorder that he ever got me, oh, wow. and that got me into. And you know all the buttons are just mashed for because I used the shit out of that <laughs> thing, and I recorded like right. Scotland on that thing. I recorded I clunked you on that thing. I, I used it a lot, and without that, without all this other shit, without a guitar, without I would have nothing. I would I would be a completely different person. I wouldn't be me. And without his help during the beginning stages of the agoraphobia. We traded off the baton of taking care of each other seamlessly. It was mm. him when I was a kid and uh, I was his last um, uh, uh, kid and he had been having kids since the 70s, you know, so he was 75 when he oh. passed. And how, how many how many siblings do you have? Uh, I only have one full uh, brother. He had like multiple families, the guy, you know. Oh, but um, yeah. I have I have one full brother. I have I have I have a half sister. Shout out Steph. She's she's so close to me. And then a bunch of other family that I don't really talk to that much. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But some um, siblings are in there. It is interesting what you said though. My, my mom, um, I, I had a terrible family tragedy happen a, a couple of years ago, uh, which actually it was the anniversary of a couple, uh, about two days ago. Oh, wow. And I remember one of the anniversaries, I sort of stumbled upon this line of thinking where I was trying to sort of like figure out had, because there's a lot of sort of mystery around what happened. So I'm like, well, if it had gone this way or it had gone that way. And I called my mom just like panicking and crying and stuff. And she's, you know, I'm like, I I can't choose which like version of this makes me feel better or whatever. And she's like, Nate, like there's no good way to look at a tragedy. It it just happened. Yeah. It just happens. And like, it is okay to not have to like rationalize it. Mm -hmm. It's okay to not like, it's okay to see it for what it is mm-hmm. as opposed to trying to like solve it. And that was, that was really a really profound thing. And I, I hear it in your voice, like that same kind of like wisdom, like hard earned wisdom mm-hmm. um, of, of how to, how to view, view that kind of stuff, you know? Right. It, it, it really like, I, <laughs> I like, I used to think a lot too. I was like, you know, I haven't really experienced loss that much. Like, I don't know. Really, like I've had some friends that have died, I, but like my, my dad's still around. He's fucking, he's dope as shit. He's fucking, I don't know, like siblings of any, anything like that. And I'm not like really that close to my family. I still have my best friend and stuff. I'm like, that's pretty good. That's cool. And I always knew this thing would be the thing that killed dad. I just didn't think, I, I, I thought I had years and years left. I thought I had years left, you know? And that same type you know, it, it it just toughens you in a way that you don't expect it. It, it makes you numb in a, in a way that's probably, probably for the best, you know, because, um, I would fear death like crazy, you know, I would, I would, I would, and then I, and then I would look at my own life in perspective of, you know, like what I've accomplished and stuff. And then after that, you're just like, yeah, we're here and then we're not. And then, uh, who fucking cares, you know, like who, who yeah. you're, we're, we're here. And that's not in a bad way. I mean, like we're here and then we're not, and I'm grateful. And then I look at what happened and I'm like, dad died. Good for him. He suffered uh, throughout those last however long, you know, and good, good, good for him because he wasn't afraid either. And that's fucking more than I could say. He, uh, he also like, I had a good relationship with him. Like I, so many of my friends don't have good relationships with their dads. You know, the, mm-hmm. if, right. if a buddy of mine lost his dad tomorrow, he'll go to the rest of his life being like, I didn't get to tell him that I loved him. It's like, I told my dad I love him every fucking day. You know, every right. day I told him I loved him. We're, 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 we're lucky, you know, we're in the, the end where it's all just time anyway. Like we're lucky for the time. And especially if that time is meaningful, like 
my my grandparents are in good shape. Uh, like, and I'm so grateful for that. Like, hell, mm-hmm. my, my grandfather skis, but I grew up very close to them. They they have always been meant a whole lot to me. Mm-hmm. But I know that that time is limited. I don't know by how much, but I know that the time is limited. Yeah. So yeah, we you know we drove into a ditch. But like, hell, if like. I, I don't know if things had been a little bit worse, if I had like hurt myself, whatever. Right. Yeah. If you, like, if you hit like a patch of black ice, if something happened, if you took a fucking right instead of a left, you know, it would have. Right. You know, but, but part of me was sort of like, yeah, if it, you know, obviously I didn't want the people in my car to have died or whatever, but mm. I had, there was sort of this part of the back of my head that was like, that wouldn't have felt like a waste to me, you know, to see to like, to, like, like to see my grandparents, like to like, to, mm-hmm. to spend the time, the limited time that we have, you know, like, mm-hmm. I, like it, it, it didn't feel, none of it felt frivolous, you know, right. it felt like, like, uh, like, um, appreciating the time while we have it, you know, very happy nobody was hurt. And of course, we're of course, of course. Yeah, I, I yeah. probably like, would have been passed. I'm like, yeah, I, yeah. I haven't even met these people. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. 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 I would have been like, they're not my fucking grandparents. Why would I? <laughs> <laughs> but, but I just mean to say like sort of bro- broadly. Um, what was the first concert you ever attended? Let's see. I mean, I, I grew up in like San Diego, so I don't really want to say like it was just it was like, you know, it was like Switchfoot playing, out, out, you know, outside or something somewhere. So, right, right. Um, <laughs> you know, like somewhere in Oceanside. But, uh, you know, the first concert that I actually attended, attended on purpose was at the Che Cafe here in um, San Diego, which is a famous little DIY venue on the um, college campus of uh, SDSU, I think so. But but um it was seeing some like Saddle Creek artists. It was Tilly in the Wall and Ooh, now it's overhead, play live. And I really was excited to go. I like, I like, I like lied. I lied about where I was to go because I was only like 16 and I, I maybe 15 years old. And I wasn't into going to shows when I was like younger. I think because of the agoraphobic tendencies, you know, I was, I was, I was still mm. going out and doing a bunch of like weird fuck shit all the time. But for some reason, going to concerts was always really like overwhelming to me. But I was like, I really want to see Tilly in the Wall live. So I, I saw them at the Che Cafe, and uh, it ruled. <laughs> but I still have never gone in my life to like a proper like to a concert that people have like heard of. It was always like local acts, DIY bands, friends um, bands, or sometimes we would go to Soma, which is a local venue. And just go side stage whoever was performing that night. Hmm. I was gonna say that that this is probably the most indie answer we've ever gotten. Like the most like off the beaten path. Yeah. Like most of the time it's like the Cheetah Girls, right, or, right, right. Uh, like the Grateful Dead cover uh-huh. band or like whatever. You right. know? So very impressive. All right, this is a cruel question, but it's an important question. Okay. What is your favorite movie, favorite book, and favorite TV show? I would like to say uh, "You and Me and Everyone We Know" movie by uh, Miranda oh, July. By Miranda July. By Miranda Miranda July. July. Yeah. Yeah. We just watched Kajillionaire. Oh, cool, cool, cool. I love Miranda's um, work. She, she's just, she's just great. Um, seeing that movie when I was like 15 years old, I was like, I, well, I want to be pretentious. This is cool. Like, this, <laughs> I would like so to funny. be a pretentious person. This is really, really cool. Like, I seriously just that, like, just her, her exact brand of just like it's aspirational. It's very, it's, it was, it was so, it was so cool to me, and it just like got me into just like indie work, you know, indie fucking everything, and I was like, wow. That's dope. That's so cool, and I've been a I've been a fan of hers ever since. Yeah, we're we love Kajillionaire to the point where we just put every Miranda July movie on our on our watch list. We had known about her because we followed her on Instagram. Oh, she's cool. like an incredible performance artist yes, on she Instagram. Is. Yes, she is. And she had this really cool interaction with Margaret Qualley, um, like this sort of beautiful, almost like multimedia mm-hmm. short film. Mm-hmm love story with Margaret Qualley yeah. uh, that played out parasocially. But yeah, she's she's super cool. That's on. We haven't seen that, but that's extremely on our list. Oh, and you need to check it out. It's so good. 
It's super, super good. Book, uh, <laughs> this is what I always say, but I do mean it from the bottom of my heart. Behind the Paint, the autobiography by Joseph Bruce, a.k.a. Violent J of the Insane Clown Posse. Interesting. This thing is my Bible. It is, it's as thick as the goddamn Bible. It's like 600 pages long. When I was in the eighth <laughs> grade, I just, I just like read it. Started, and I'm not, listen, I'm, any fans out there uh, listening either of your podcast or of my music or anything like that, please don't feel inclined to check it out. There's a lot of problematic shit in it. There's a, it's, it was written a long time ago by a shock rock rap group from Detroit. Keep that in mind. I'm always saying, keep that in mind. It was a different era in a completely different genre. There's some shit in there that doesn't translate well, you know, Um, that's been addressed since then, obviously, but still I, sometimes I get uh, some fans who are just like, I tried to get into ICP because you love them so much. And this is, this is really, this is, this is really problematic, Mitch. I was like, well, it's the, you have to understand it's the insane clown posse. <laughs> this is the, <laughs> it's the insane clown posse. So uh, I'm so sorry if I give the impression that they're wholesome in some way. They are in many ways. And as people, they're great. Their music, their content is, oh my gosh. Um, and their, their life and growing up and stuff. Oh boy. Any rapper from that era, gosh. But I love the book. I've read it a couple times when I was younger had a physical copy of it, and then they released an audiobook version a few years ago. And I've this thing is like over 24 hours of um, <laughs> wow. recorded audio, and it's just Violent J talking and going on these tangents and stuff because he recorded it well. It was like 10 years after the book was written, so he had a lot of notes about it. Oh, since then this happened. Oh, and then since then I, I just oh, I eat it up. I'll put it on. And I'll just start to fill merch orders because their come up story is the most inspirational thing in the world to me. They're they've they're directly they I'm I'm so inspired by them in particular to how I run merchandise and um, the grind to actually do something on your own and to get those plays up and to you know if these men could make the insane clown posse work for them, then you can make your project work. You know right, if you work right. hard enough and they worked hard every single day. Favorite show. Just for how long I had watched it when I was younger, maybe Good Eats. Oh, interesting. Cool, Good cool, Eats, cool. yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, do you have a scar with the story? Uh, yeah, I got a lot, actually. Um, I uh, fucking knocked uh, knocked the back of my head, got a big scar back there. It's not too big, but the biggest scar that I have here is on my forearm. It ranges from here to here. I got that giant wow. scar, and uh, that's from surgery uh, that I had when I was uh, younger. It's always so hard to make like music as sad as I do. And then I walk around with a fucking scar like that because people are just like, oh, where did that come from? That's like, surgery, <laughs> actually, that one. I, I was like, I'm, I was like, I'm not going to assume. Just let him tell <laughs> exactly. him where it's from, exactly. Nate. You know? No, there's a metal plate underneath it. It's the, yeah, it's, it's fine. But uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's my favorite scar. It's, it, it's big. It's beautiful. It runs all the way up my arm. I got it when I was in the eighth grade having surgery. I broke my arm a handful of times, like, when I was uh, younger skating and doing stuff like that until eventually my body was like, Hey, uh, sports, they're just not, they're not for you, dude. So stop. <laughs> right. And then I had one last, uh, thing in it where they were like, we're just going to correct it. We're just going to put a metal plate in it forever. It'll get really sore during the winter time <laughs> for the rest of your life. And I'm like, okay, thank you. <laughs> that's really funny. I, I think that's how I, I settled on biking. Cause I have a scar from every other sport, right? <laughs> you know, every other mobile sport. It's like, from like skiing and skateboarding and like whatever. I'm like, biking has never hurt me, you know? Yeah, it seems pretty like low risk, especially, I mean, like you're into like cycling, right? So that's just, you're just zooming, man. That's cool. Yeah, you're not going off any like crazy jumps or anything like that to break your arm. Uh, This is a fun question. What are three thoughts you have at this very moment? Oh God. Um, What am I going to have for dinner? Nice. Um, Let's see. I wonder if Billy is still awake. (laughs) Um, And 
I guess I was just kind of, I'm always just kind of thinking about mixing in the background of my, of my mind. <laughs> I'm, I'm like wrapping up a release right now and uh, it's at the stages where it's done, but I just have to like listen to it for a week to be like, yeah, is right. my opinion changing on it? So in yeah. the back of my mind is always like, is that transition good? Does that transition nicely? Does it go? So I'm just like, stop, 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 stop. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. That's fun. Uh, and lastly, uh, to close it all out, what are you looking forward to? Uh, smash with you guys. Nice. Hey, and uh, likewise. Also, the um, like I said, I started uh, working with Zach to take on a more managerial role with what I do. So I'm looking forward to the rest of the year. He's uh, I'm really pleased with my Spotify plays right now. I'm I'm really I'm really happy with them. But uh, when I was on the phone with Zach recently, I, I was just like, yeah, I just I don't ever want to do too much. And he's just like, you'll change your life maybe five percent, but you'll get way more than a five percent growth in what you do and i i i specifically told him like i'm uh i feel so lucky because i feel like the algorithm has always been so good to me and uh he was like the algorithm's not been good to you yet the algorithm is <laughs> is ex it exists currently and it's doing what it's supposed to but you have not actually it's not been good to you yet you've not seen it good yet and you will see it if we do these things that we're about to do so first time in my life right now i'm like planning releases ahead I'm going to put out a single, I'm going to do a second single and then the album and then have the vinyl ready right then and then do another EP after that and then shop around for labels for the full length to do a two-year contract to see if anybody's interested so I get to retain and do that as an investment. I, I'm excited to see where this goes actually trying that route because so far it's only just been... I'll. Well, you've Make been able hole. to accomplish so much just, it, it seems like, not trying. And I right. think that that's really empowering. Yeah. Well, but, I, but I also think that that's like, it's funny, yeah, that sort of false sense. Like, we, we've we we've tried to play on the algorithm and we've seen how far we can go when we are aiming for it and then, you know, still get ignored or still like whatever. Mm -hmm. And to the point where we, we reach the same conclusion, oh, let's, yeah, let's get a label on this next release. But... Uh, but also, you know, we, we were able to be like, oh, we tried this and it didn't work. This is why we need a label. Whereas for you, it's like, oh yeah, things are working out. And then you, you know, somebody comes along and they're like, no, but you could, it could be this. Yeah. And it's like, oh, he was shit. like, yeah, let's like, turn right. this to three times that amount per month. And I was like, that's it. I don't deserve that. And he's like, but you can have that and you can have a, you know, he wants me to have a retirement fund and wants me to build a nest egg. And then um, I'm forming an LLC for Flat Sound this year. Gonna actually like uh, be on a payroll and then have Billy also as uh, hired as an employee when she moves here and all that stuff. And I was like, as long as y'all handle it, like then I'm, I'm gonna yeah, continue no, being great. me online. And that's that's cool. So I'm I'm really excited to see where that goes because I'm not stopping making art. I do it all of the time. Uh, but to focus on like how to do that in in a way that can because the way I see it the way that I release things people just they they, they either hear it or they don't uh, and if they don't that's kind of my own fault because I'll work a long time on an album and then I'll just pick a day randomly and be like hey by the way this is a new album it's on Spotify right now and then I'll never talk about it again <laughs> and then sometimes things do really great sometimes things do only okay but they usually do okay you know I should aim for higher than that. Because I do feel extremely lucky that Flat Sound has, uh, you know, that y y you've even heard of Flat Sound. That 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 people come to me and they're like, "It's changed my life." I, I've I've had like family hit me up and say, "My coworker's daughter <laughs> was wondering if for her birthday gift she can speak to you on the phone," and I'm just like, "That's really yes, of course she can she can talk to me on the phone." That's really it's <laughs> it's so it's so bizarre to me because to me I've not I I I I was agoraphobic. I didn't I didn't tour or anything. 
I didn't play shows. I didn't, right. I, didn't right. I didn't do anything like that. I didn't do meet and greets. I didn't I didn't do anything. In my head, I'm always trying to push against the idea that you put an artist like me on a pedestal, that you uh, look up to me in some unrealistic uh, way. I want us to play video games together. I want right. to say, I really appreciate you, but let's keep this, first of all, appropriate. Um, and uh, <laughs> if you're, you know, if you're like... <laughs> if you're 16, don't fucking, don't talk to me. <laughs> like that's the, but that's just the, like, it sounds so mean. And I used to get this thing on Tumblr all the time, you know, from people that are like, Mitch doesn't like teenagers. Like, wouldn't it be weirder if I did? Like what, what right. the fuck? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes, I don't, I don't really like talking to teenagers. We have nothing in common and it feels weird. <laughs> so I'm always like, oh, let's put an age limit on the discord. Not that we're talking about anything adult. I mean, we are, we're talking about like drugs and drinking and stuff, but like uh, 16, 15, well, no, none of that, none of that, please. And not everybody understands that. But they don't have to understand it. It's it's fine. But yeah, looking forward to things uh, the rest of the year, the rest of the year, just to see how the how the plays go. Because I, I I am really really proud that I mean I'm at almost just under hovering just under half a million monthly listeners, and I don't know what to tell people other than like, wow, that's crazy. Thank you. Like I've not really yeah. I've not really done anything, but haven't stopped, and I'm not going to stop anytime soon. So hopefully, with some help, that grows even further. Because if I could just if I could just double that. It's an inconceivable amount of money for me. It's absolutely inconceivable, you know. As as I get older, the uh, the business aspect of what I do and wanting to like retain it in another ten years, like being an artist, continuing to be an artist, you know, uh, is more and more relevant. It's more of work. It's it's just more tantalizing in my mind to just be like, wouldn't it be weird or uh, uh, cool if it didn't go away? And if you bought a yeah. house soon, if you owned property, and then you can still do music, you could still be creative, you can still, and then I'm just vastly influenced by all of the, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, like a juggalo, uh, rap group twisted. As I was approaching 30, I was like listening to some of their, uh, stuff I listened to when I was in middle school, realizing that I was like, wait a second, what do you say in that lyric? That can't be right. Let me Google that. He was 30 when the green book came out. That's great. That's an early release for them. They're still touring and doing shit like that today. They just dropped their last album last year. They've done consistent releases. Man, 30's the fucking beginning. Like, I, I can't believe that. All that shit was practiced. Like, I need to get some shit going now. And I feel like yeah. I'm right there. I just need to take advantage of it. And I, I fully intend to, and I'm crossing my fingers. Um, because the as far as business and stuff um, goes, my, my, uh, my best friend, uh, Jordan, his dad, who was friends with my dad, um, he told me something just recently, and it was his like, first time coming over to my house like uh, a year or so back. I went away. I stopped seeing him for 10 years. I came back, and I, uh, I live in this house, and I was renting this house for my dad so he could live with me and, but not feel like he was living on top of me or not feel like a burden. You know, The house is much bigger than what I need. It's a five-bedroom in fucking Southern California. It's ridiculous. You know, it's, it's, I'm paying way too much rent. But um, Jordan's dad came over and he's a businessman and he was like, son of a bitch, Mitch, what, what is, how are you doing all this? And I was like, yeah, flat sounds, flat sounds doing great. You know? And he was <laughs> so pissed at me immediately because he saw my merch room. And he's like, why is this stock low? And I go, it's always low. And it was like, you run out. And I was like, I run out all the time for months. And he was like, Never run out. Never ever do. You know, think ahead. Do this. Blah blah. blah. And I was like, I, I don't know. Blah blah. And I told him specifically that I was like, I feel really lucky for having everything that I have. I mean, I know that I work hard, and I definitely work hard, and I've been doing it for a long time. But I just still feel very, I feel very lucky for everything. And he said that his dad used to say this, and I still think about it every day. His dad said something to the effect of like, luck is just where hard work and opportunity intersect. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. you you just have to continue trying and then eventually you get those breaks. But you 
you're not going to get that opportunity that you've gotten without the work that you've done. So sometimes you do get those breaks. Yeah. My grandfather gets mad at me when I say that we got lucky about something. Mm -hmm. He was like, I will tell you the five things you did to make that thing happen. Right. And, you know, it's not like, and he's not, you know, he's not the, he won't be the first person to be like effusive, but like, yeah, you know, he he says the same thing is like, you make, you make your luck, you know, Mm -hmm. but we're, we're excited to see where you go. We're, uh, we're excited to play Smash Bros with you. I can't wait for that in particular. You know, like to have new friends. We started this podcast. For everybody to understand that there's a community here, that, that we're all sort of going through similar things. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've made so many great friends through this podcast, you know, in the artist community. And so we're just really, really grateful that you're you're on, man. And, and thank you guys so I much just for having me. can't wait for everything that's uh, that's to come. And hey, if uh, if you and Billy will ever have us, we're happy to uh, answer the uh, the questions of your <laughs> of your people as well. <laughs> Given just how you guys record, we'll have you on fucking anytime because that's like yes, the biggest thing yes. in the... <laughs> That's the biggest thing that stands in the way for us is just, well, who do we have on that can actually be on the show during (laughs) these times? Because it's not, you know, it's pretty much nobody. Uh, And we just hit, you know, recently we had 100 episodes. So, you know, weekly, that's two years of the show. And uh, we started saying past episode 100, we can like start having guests on the show. I had this uh, recurring bit that she was actually just a guest on the show that we would have every (laughs) every episode. Hey, guys. uh, (laughs) She's back. And for the 100th episode, I formally asked her to be my co-host. And um, oh, that's really so cute. Uh, after that, we're like, well, we can start having guests now, you know, so um, <laughs> we would love a guest on the show soon for sure. I, we, we, we'd be happy to do it. You know, we, we started this thinking we were going to interview like five of our friends and then run out of people who were going to be on it. So mm-hmm. we would just like riff with each other or whatever. And, you know, I think you're like this 60 something person that we've had. That's and we've been so doing this for, dope. You know, that's so dope. A year dope. and a half or whatever. So it's been, yeah, it's been really Hey, you know, that's how, how it goes. So we would be we would be happy to be to be on. But Mitch, it's so nice to meet you. Thank Lovely you for, for being you. on and looking forward to everything that's to come. Thank you guys so much for having me. It was a blast. And all I want is to find myself in anyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of Talking Lion. We would like to thank New Wave, The Truffleist, and Isotope for their support of Talking Lion. If you'd like to show your support, ask our guests your questions, talk to us on Discord, and get a shout out at the end of each episode, subscribe to our Patreon over at patreon.com slash talkinglion. Thank you for listening and see you next time.